welcome Instagram folk. We are. This is uh, weird for Robert. It's very weird for me because because um, well, first of all, um, on the podcast today I have Yafet Jackman, hello, who is a student here. He's a thesis student at Ohio University. That's right. He's a cinematographer. He's a professional. He's an artist. He's a poet, from what I hear. I've never oh. read any of your poetry. Well, well, I did check out your blog, though. You haven't did posted you? in a long time. Oh, my time. God. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it was just yesterday that I was talking to a friend about that. But Yeah, yeah you got you to update. That's been like two years. Uh, I don't know, man. Film school. Yeah. Yeah. And you're married. Yeah. You've got things to do. I, of course. You're very busy. I mean, every married person has things to do, right? I, right? I, I hope so. Right. right. <laughs> so, but the, the the streaming on Facebook thing is completely new to me, mm-hmm. and uh, I wasn't prepared for it. And I'm okay. going to sue you later. <laughs> You're going to I'm not going to sue you later. That's, that's what I'm going to do. Later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, the reason I wanted to have you over here to chat cool. is because um, I, I didn't know you at all, really, before we worked on Willis Film together. Right. And you are the graduate assistant for the Peterson Sound Studio, correct? Which is a, is a pretty big deal, yeah, um, because that's got a whole lot of history. And you were doing sound on Willett's film, even though you were a cinematographer, yeah. And how did that happen? How did you get roped into <laughs> being the sound <laughs> guy get, with yeah, the lavalier the microphones and, and all that? Well, nonsense? Um, I feel you know. Well, first of all, thank you, thank you for having me and um, for getting to know me as the rest of the world gets to know you at the same time. And yes, we, we, we sort of sip as we, as we go along. Mm. Uh, doing sound, um, sound is pretty important. And I feel like it's one of the, the areas at OU Film that we have not paid the greatest attention to. Um, you know, 50% of your film is sound. And, you know, I've, I've, I've had some experience with sound before I got to OU. Um, not anything professional. Like, I, I was a, a prosumer, kind of like the dilly-dally guy that would, you know. Prosumer? <laughs> you mean you've got enough money to buy something, equipment well, that it, was decent? Well, I, w- I wish that were the case. So I, I, I come up from a Christian background and, you know, working with my local church back home in Ghana. And um, there was a sound system that needed manding. Um, I was always the techie guy. Like, I prefer to be running around with cables, microphones, cameras, tripods, whatever, as opposed to sitting behind a desk or anything like that. So, um, you know, the, the electrical things excited me. So I was roped in on that. Well, I sort of volunteered. I, I volunteered to be able to manage sound. And that grew. It grew into managing uh, video, uh, like live mixing and, and all that. So it, it just snowballed. Everything sort of snowballed. So getting back to the question that you asked of, of Willits's film, where he, he reached out and he was like, man, I know that you're a cinematographer. <laughs> oh, so he acknowledged that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know, I know. And but you know I I always like working with you I trust you, but could you do my sound for me? Of course my heart sank because I'm like oh sound, but then um, it's more of a case where I said you know what sure why not because I know for a fact that I do a pretty good job, you know for him and if I'm thinking about everyone else's film and the the attention that they're supposed to be 
paying towards sound so why not contribute to that conversation actively mm-hmm. so yeah um I hopped on board willis is a good guy of course so you know i'm like yeah sure whatever let's let's do this so that happened and um from what i understand it was good did he listen to it so well, it sounds i feel like i feel like he has because if 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 there was anything that's bad and that's that's the thing about sound you will always you would only and always hear when you've produced bad sound you will never get <laughs> you will never get the, oh that sound is good you never right. get it. They, they just grab it, go with it, and that's it. So when you do your job, right. no when, one knows right. that there was a hand Correct. involved. Correct. Okay. Um, the, the invisible hand. I've always wanted to be sort of like the invisible hand, so that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the other thing about that particular setup is that it was a very uh, conversation-heavy piece. Correct. You know, it's, it's a relationship drama. You've got four characters. I mean, a ridiculous amount of coverage. Yeah. And the one thing that I was not expecting that was really entertaining and really frustrating at the same time is the house in which we were filming was right on a main street. Correct. And it's not like we could soundproof the living room <laughs> walls. We could have if we had the budget, but, but of course like every, we are in college. Every time yeah. it was an important moment, you'd hear this truck that had a bad it, muffler it drive It was by. ridiculous. Um, as you've seen and experienced my my um, the many reactions that I had towards <laughs> every single time we got into a particular monologue for that for that film, um, yeah, it was the, the you know Sunday Sunday muffler day. <laughs> That's sort of what I dubbed it in my. It was head. like the Grand Prix. Seriously, they were doing <laughs> laps. The same truck was doing laps around the block. It was ridiculous. But you know, it's stuff like that that you need to expect and. Um, you know there are workarounds. I, you know I'm not I'm not I'm not a like an, a full fledged expert, but I feel like I know enough to to get by. And then I could always refer him to well, hey, if there's certain things that are not working for you, some more background noise, or you need to filter this, that, or the thar. You know, just here's here's the person that you can go to, mm-hmm. right? I feel like I know enough to help you to get to good you you have good sound um i can give enough advice to like let you move on from there i'm not necessarily going to be the hands-on guy for that there's so much that i could do because mm-hmm. that that's not my particular interest but it is a very good um i feel it's a good place to be as a filmmaker where you you have um that knowledge as well so you're you're a little bit more um educated and you're a little bit more assertive when you're when you're making um, decisions for your film you know you're a little bit more informed and um, so anyone else that's working with you is gonna recognize and and relate to that they're gonna be happy that oh this guy this guy sort of knows what he's doing so um, he's not a fly by night so, yeah. right is there I mean, when people talk about cinematography, mm-hmm. you have certain cinematographers that have, I mean, I, th- I bet every one of them has a sort of philosophy of how to light, how to light a scene yeah. or what kind of camera angles they enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a philosophy of sound recording or is it basically a process that everyone has to learn and then the only time you have to get creative is when there's a problem? I mean, that's kind of <laughs> what it seemed like because yeah. you've got, I mean, you had what? You had three lavalier microphones. Three lavs, yeah, and a shotgun mic. Um, it was just hanging, trying to cover everything um, as we went along. It's, I think it's, it's based on situation. It's based on situation. It's based on your scenario. Um, 
you want to you just want to capture good sound that's the i guess that's your basis mm-hmm. that's your basis you want to c- capture good sound and you want to build from that um there's no i don't think there's there's any create hmm, let me phrase this correctly there is creativity when you're when you're finding a way to capture that sound based on your environment so in film um we've you know you're looking at movies and you're you're if you're if you're thinking about it as you're looking at a scene and you're wondering well i wondered you know i wonder how they got that i wonder how, how they how they recorded that so cleanly the dialogue is so clean they you know they're in manhattan traffic or they're on an airplane or you know a, a, a you know a a chase scene like you know are people really thinking about stuff like that there's this is a chase scene and then you're hearing every single thing quite clearly that's coming out of the actor's mouth and then you're thinking about hey well if i'm driving a car that's like going 100 miles an hour i bet there'll be wind (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah no exactly Um, if you're on top of a train or something right right um but um there was an interesting uh ted talk that matt love had referred John Butler and I too um, of everything we hear in film is a fake. It's a lie. It's really posts. It's like post production stuff. Well, what did what does John Butler say? Uh, <laughs> you're you're, you're going to become. If we do our job correctly, you will become masters of deceit. Right. Exactly. I think is what he, how he exactly. described filmmaking. That is exactly. It. Well, wait, is that the TED talk with the? Um, the bacon frying, yes, the sound of rain, the sound of rain, and all that. <sighs> that good blew stuff. my mind. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it was great. Like you think about it, and it's like, yeah, right. So it sounds more like you're making, you're coming up with creative solutions for problems on the set. Correct. And I'm sure there's probably a little bit more creativity when you're in the post-production stage, where you're actually because sound mixing and sound recording are completely yeah, two different. different worlds. How often does the sound recorder do the sound mixing? Is that? Um, truthfully i i don't know there there some folk that are um specialists in field recording and i don't know if they're going to do the crossover i guess in the world that we live in today in the industry you sort of want to be that one man army or one woman army Mm -hmm. because they're women that do the same thing that don't like to be referred to as a man so (laughs) um so i guess it i guess it depends on your drive i mean for me again not necessarily what i'm gunning for but i can be that guy that would have uh some proficiency in recording and then if you're going to ask me to clean up a little bit of what i've recorded i'm able to do that to an extent so knowing the entire process is going to make you more I, of an asset. I feel correct. <clears throat> I feel like you know, knowing, having a, a very fair idea, you know, excellent expert, whatever, um, having a really great sense of things um, on either side. Yeah, you do become that asset. You you become unstoppable, and I, I and I feel like it's a it's a very good it's a positive. Um, it makes more sense to be more diverse. Um, be more of a generalist and a pretty good generalist as opposed to a specialist because if anything happens in that specialist industry or specialist career that you're in, there's something that you can fall back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as far as non-school productions, I mean, you talked about, so, so you're from Guyana. Yes. South America. Yes. 
the first time I saw you and you're wearing a you're wearing a Bob Marley shirt right now. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I wonder if this guy's Jamaican. He's got some righteous I got, righteous, I got righteous dreads, locks and everything. Righteous right. locks and a, and a Bob Marley shirt. Yeah, man, yeah, man. I didn't realize <laughs> that Guyana was was actually on the coast and was a was it's, it's essentially a Car- Caribbean or Caribbean nation. You know, it's right? yeah, it's it's <laughs> Guyana is it's it's a beautiful country, and um, you know it's. It's the anomaly of South America, and then it's sort of like the 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 long the longing child of the Caribbean because we're washed by the sea because we're on the coast. You know, we're so far down the line that it's like, oh my god! But we're part of Caricom, um, and you know, we're part of a continent. So you mm-hmm. know, so you're kind of like in between. It you're is, the middle yeah, child yeah, of yeah. the I, yeah, southern yeah, hemisphere. Yeah, yeah. It, we're we're the love child of the southern hemisphere. <laughs> so when you were doing when, when, in church, were you live mixing uh, like the choir or were you live doing mixing, actual videos? You know, choir, choir preaching. There was, um, yeah, every single thing that was happening, the entire event of church, um, you know, that entire process. We recorded that. We mixed it down. And then we did post-production for that as well. Um, we how, could, how old were you when you were doing this? Man, this entire journey started at, 13 like when i really got uh, really yes when i really got into it into it and um you know i've learned so much i've I've said this when i went back um just the other day last summer um it was like i i'm very grateful for those lessons and for the investment of time energy patience and prayer (laughs) that went into um developing a curious mind because i was curious about all this stuff and then they they informed that curiosity they guided that curiosity they invested into that curiosity and you know they couldn't have it could have just been like hey well you know we're not going to allow you to touch this stuff because you're not a professional you're not trained to do any of this mm-hmm. but you know for the for the guys and for the, for the guys and girls, you know, the women and men that were trained, um, you know, formally, if they've had years of experience with their own setups and stuff like that, that were knowledgeable of, of, the, of the area, uh, you know, they taught. And boy, did I learn. Like, I, I, I sat on their necks, really. Um, I was annoying because I, I, this is what so wait, I... were you like me on the set? asking questions yes the right questions you ask the right questions but imagine that at 13 years old i'm trying to imagine that you know i probably would have been too scared to ask questions when i was 13 i mean i i feel i'm cut out for this this is the one thing that i wanted to do with my life and i'm doing it so you've known for a long time a very long time when did you jump from um just like messing with the soundboard to actually mm-hmm. filming things and learning about the image okay um so the image became more of a, of a, a love i guess around 14 15 years old i was already sort of like a like a, a pa a, a production assistant on with sorry the the then uh production house in Guyana, like the powerhouse of production and stuff like that in Guyana, Spotlight Productions. The, the, what's, what's the environment like there for film production? It is now um, back on its feet, and it's a very thriving, well, not as thriving, um, but it's growing uh, because we had, I mean, we had a film center. We, you know, Guyana was the place that the Caribbean would come to to process films. 
alongside Barbados, Germans invested in our in our film center. Mm-hmm. The Dutch, you know, they've trained chemists, specialists, projectionists, and, and this was in the the seventies, eighties, and then somewhere in between all that, that just sort of fell off the map. There were several films that were shot in and around uh, George Shangana in the Rupununi um, feature films. You know that that is that any that I would know. No, I don't even know them. Okay, and I'm still on the hunt to see them and and to understand. You know where 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 did these films go? You know who produced these films? Whatever happened to the guys and girls that created these these pieces um, that has been archived to an extent, some archived, some not, and you know whatever happened to that. So that that heritage of film has always been there, but now because of new media, um, you know things have changed. It's a little faster now, so TV is a little bit more of a, a style, and you know the fast cuts and the whip pans and all that good stuff to make TV a little bit more attractive because we're we're trying to to be on par with. Western television or, you know, British television mm-hmm. or, you know, European television. So um, how did we even get there? No, I was asking what So you were a PA. Right. In what existed at that time right. as far as the industry was yeah. concerned. Well that was, well, that was in the 90s. Well, you know, the 20th century, 21st century, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Spotlight production, uh, a guy by the name of Rudy Saul, who was an engineer at CBS – he had, you know, Guyanese heritage, and he felt like he wanted to help develop um, Guyana. There are other, there were other guys that were on the, on the ball, on the ground. One of my mentors, Noel Harlequin, has been shooting camera since the advent of television in Guyana. Wow! So it's stuff like that that you're like, okay, like this is where I want to go. This is what I want to do. Let's do this. So the image. Um, became more attractive to me around that time. Like I saw it. Like I, you know, I loved to. I loved to hold the camera. Like I loved. I felt alive when I had a camera on me. At one point in time, they called me the human tripod because I would stand for hours with a tripod. Well, well, with a tripod. With a camera. You were on the tripod. <laughs> I, I was the tripod. <laughs> I embodied a tripod. Um, you know, for hours, I'd stand with it on my shoulder. And um, I guess that's probably why I have a busted shoulder now. But, um, yeah, and they'd be like, so was this on a tripod? No. This this young man was standing with this thing. Oh, Are wow. you kidding me? Seriously? No? Yeah? Really? So I got more into that. I started building my stamina. started shooting more things or wanting to shoot more things. And um, handheld was my game. <laughs> I loved handheld camera. Everyone ran away from that because of the shaky image and all that. You know, mm-hmm. I was able to know what to do, how to hold it, and just go with it. So it, it didn't feel like it was really handheld. So yeah, um, moved on from there. So wrapping cable and all that stuff. That's what a PA meant at that. Uh, oops, sorry. Did, did you hear that? You're fine. Okay, <laughs> that's what a PA meant at that um, company, where you sort of like wrapping up the cable you're doing all the grunge work for the the big boys that are sitting behind the the mixers and behind the studio cameras and you know all that all that stuff so yeah the grunge work so i i paid asked more questions paid more interest 
towards um, getting to know, you know, how I can shoot. How can I shoot better? How can I edit better? How can I mix better? So that's that's sort of the snowballing of the, I guess, my career. So did you teach most of, uh, did you learn most of that by teaching yourself? Some, it's it's 50-50 really. Um, I, I love to people watch. So I'd sit for hours and just watch these guys. Um, there was one point that I, w- I was literally just mimicking their, their keystrokes. Legitimately <laughs> just doing that. Like repetition, repetition. So you're, you're watching them edit and you're like, yeah. wait, I can do this. Yeah. I'm going to do, I'm gonna do exactly, exactly what Exactly. So, you know, at the time where AB rollers were a thing. I edited with AB rollers, tape to tape. Tape to tape. That's yes, dude. The first time, I, <laughs> this, this is interesting. The first thing I ever edited was I had watched Gladiator. Okay. Uh huh. I'm in. I think I was in, in probably eighth grade or ninth grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I loved the movie, but hated sitting through the non-action parts. Oh, okay. So I had the I had the the, the combination TV VCR right, and then there was an, and then I grabbed my mom's VCR from mm-hmm. from the other room, and I figured out how to hook it up tape to tape, and I just recorded all of the fight scenes. Yep. And then I watched it and was like, yeah, these are awesome fight scenes. And mm-hmm. then I thought, wait a minute, how come it's not as exciting when I just watch the fight scenes? Yeah, and that it's was my fight, 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 fight. That was my first introduction to storytelling when I realized, wait a minute, it's not all about the climaxes. Mm-hmm. You have to have the character development. You have to have the momentum of the story. Right. And then, you know, I never did that again. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. This fight only means something because of what led up to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so tape to tape. Yeah. And even when I when I was in high school and I uh, went had a video productions class, awesome. it was one of those classic tape to tape oh, yeah. setups. It wasn't yeah. like a, you know, Jerry rigged one. It was actual legit. Like you set your endpoint, set your out point, Correct. record. Right. Terrible regeneration loss. <laughs> <laughs> like how many times can we copy this before it's you know unrecognizable? Right. So you so you learned okay on the similar I, system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So been there with the the linear system where um, you know, you put something down and you had to be very precise and deliberate with your next cut. Because you you know today, like I look at editors today and I'm like, man. You guys have got this so thing so easy. easy you don't you have know? to wait for the film to get developed. Right. You don't have to actually have the little cutter. Yeah. You know, I was excited when we first got in there to splice together our 16 millimeter. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Just like in Fight Club <laughs> when Tyler Durden has to like, you know, splicing yeah, and splice, splice a, a little blip in there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, that, that, I feel like that experience and, um, for I can see why men and women that would have come from that era, especially editors, um, well, film editors that would have come from that era, have more of a critical eye for storytelling. Um, you know, and and being very precise with the reason for this cut. You know what I mean? The reason for this sequence, the reason for this shot, that it just moves everything forward, and it's not fluff. As, as we call it so it it that that experience informed everything else that was happening I mean in my life personally and professionally it's it's more of making the decisions that matter and pushes your agenda pushes your life forward develops you so that's you know I take that whole thing seriously i guess too seriously sometimes <laughs> or did you ever have 
those service industry jobs that creative types always kind of fall into? You know, so I worked I worked for Cooperate. Um, so while I was in school and working with Spotlight Productions, they would take me to, like, I, I shot my first international artiste stage shows and stuff like that through that company. Like, I, I had the privilege of holding a camera in front of Sean Paul's face. What? Yeah. Wait, is this before he blew up or after he was already Because <laughs> I was this watching. Was, this was while he was a big thing in Jamaica and all that. Okay. Um, I remember watching Belly. Have you seen Belly? Yeah. And he makes a cameo in there, yeah. but it was before he was famous. And I was yeah. like, wait a minute. Like, is wait that a minute. I know Paul? that guy. I know that yeah. weird sort of <laughs> flat reggaeton way of delivering the vocals. It's, it's got to be Sean Paul. Yeah. That guy, you know, a, a lot of um, Caribbean international artists I was able to shoot um, through that. Like was was it concerts or was it music videos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Concerts, um, you know, cameos, whatever. Whenever they'd be in country, and like that was the production host to call, to to get stuff done. So there's that. Then you know after like just after high school, and you know I'm all this time I'm still working along with the church and all that stuff. Uh, Just after high school, I get a job at um, the advertising agency of the country guy enterprise and um, just one no when i say the advertising okay the the one to go to then the then you know it's this is all the past that we're talking about right now but um these guys had a legacy because they've they've they have they were the cut above the rest like production was really what it was supposed to be um, there, there's some things that you're going to learn over time with hanging out with me and stuff like that, um, where we've learned in the Caribbean to short, sort of, um, short circuit things like to short circuit the process. And we sort of pluck out, um, other essential things that lends to a better production. So, um, you'd come to an advertising agency and you'd ask, well, I'm trying to get a quote for like a, a 30 second ad. And that quote would probably be I can't I can't think of equivalents right now. I'll I'll do the translation and the and the conversion in a sec, but you know, probably two hundred thousand dollars, three hundred thousand dollars. It's like a thousand US, fifteen fifteen hundred US, that that sort of thing. And in an in an economy in Guyana, that is a lot of money. Like that's a lot of money for a thirty second ad. But um it's where we we weren't there yet where we needed to understand that we're selling the rights to this creative process, this piece that we're, that we're shooting. Um, you know, we're paying actors, we're, we're paying production, you're paying for post-production, you're paying for licensing, you're paying for, you know, the longevity of this ad. Because when you, when you're finished with this ad and you put this ad out there, this is something that you're, that, you, you sort of want to use as much as you can, you know, to really get the bang for your buck. So the serious cooperations would come to Guy Enterprise and get ads done. So I was a video editor there. Um, so I worked with, um, you know, Banks DIH, uh, USAID, the World Bank. Like I edited tons of stuff. For those guys and i was barely 18 19 
I became the studio manager at 19 what? over there at, at, at one point. Did so you get sit of, uh, sick of sitting down all the time? Well, you know, it's sort of it's sort Staring of a case, at a <laughs> it's sort of a case where crazy. sort of a case where you're it's the love of it. And I just kept feeding my curiosity and and, you know, wanting to know how do how do these things work? And why does it work when it works and, you know, how you can attract people to it and, you know, that sort of thing. So you just keep droning on and on and on on um, developing your craft. So sitting for hours was not a big deal. <clears throat> I, would, I would be there, you know, the regular nine to five. And then I'd probably be leaving the office two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning, um, you know, getting home at six in the morning and getting right back to work at eight or something like that, you know. It sounds like you had a pretty sweet gig. Well. Why did you leave? <laughs> <laughs> you know, after a while, <clears throat> it became a little monotonous and uh, a little frustrating because um, at that time, the company became a little, it was, it was cutting back. Um, you know, the country is going through a lot. Corporations are not spending as much, so they were like cut in corners every which way. And then um, I realized that once I hit, you know, studio manager, I didn't hold that position for, for quite long because I realized, hey, this is the ceiling. And we edited in the attic. So you're right up at the top <laughs> there. And, you know, the, the irony of it all. Right. Is that, oh, so you're at the top here. And after this, what? And that scared me. So you hit um, a wall. Yeah, pretty much. I, I felt like I was too young to just sort of settle at a job like that. You know, it was great. It was good. You know, kudos to the guys that were there. You know, the Insanales, they they also chipped in, in in my in my career, in my development. They, you know, connected me to folk that I probably would have never been able to talk to, like, off of my own strength. Had I not been within those circles, I probably would have not have met uh, a great number of people. But... Um, I realized that at the same time that I, you know, to just be the studio editor or the, you know, whatever there, that you're just literally just going to be sitting there cutting stuff all the time. I mean, it's good that it's going to like lift your, lift your, your resume, your CV is going to look awesome that you're going to have all these things under your belt, but there was no upward mobility, um, for me in in the company anymore because after that it's not like i'm all right what else am i going to manage or you know what mm -hmm. else am i going to morph into so um there was a great opportunity at the time i was working working with uh Dwayne holder um and I, I i try to call these people's their names i try to call my friends and and my colleagues their names because these are all people that would have helped to shape who i am today working with him he was uh you know, on contract, we were working for the Guyana Telephone and Telegraph Company, GT&T, down there, and we were creating sort of like a magazine program for them. You know, so it's a profile of the company and the different services. So that's when I really got into corporate, corporate. Like, you know, before I had a diversity of different companies, but now it was just this company and its different services. So... Um, he pulled me on board as a co-producer of that of that program. And I'm like, great, you know, just gonna rock this out. 
So got into that, and then I realized that I had a knack for marketing. Then I realized that I had a knack for public relations. <laughs> then I had a knack for public speaking. So right. stuff just snowballed. And, you know, I'm happy that I, I, I took this journey and I took the turns that I needed to take to sort of on this self-realization of, of you know, I, I'm just not a camera operator um, you know, I'm not just a, a sound technician or an assistant or whatever. I am. I embody these other talents as well. Well, you're also in a management position. I mean, you're calling shots. You're, you're you're directing people. You're making decisions. I mean, it's a pretty young age to be doing that too. But with that responsibility, did you feel like there was any kind of stifling element where, because you had those kind of responsibilities on the management level, that you weren't able to do something you might have wanted to do creatively? Did that ever become an issue? Uh, to be honest, and you know, with a quick reflection on that, I'd say no, um, because when I got outside of the office, you know, I'd still be able to do whatever I wanted to do. Um, at that time, I don't think I was discovering or exploring, rather, uh, what what I wanted to create. I just wanted to create. And because, you know, the, the, the corporate job sort of provided the ideas and all that, so that's half the job done. I don't have to think about my own ideas or anything like that. I'll just try to better these ideas that are coming to me across the table. So, um, but when I got into the, the whole GT&T gig as a contractor, so I'm freelancing now. I'm not, like, I left the job at Garner Price, and now I'm freelancing at GT&T. And... Um, so they're like, hey, we're, th we're thinking about um, advertising this service. What have you got? So there I went and I started creating ads and, and uh, you know, proposals. I, I started writing a, a lot more scripts for, ad you know, ads and stuff like that then, then and there. Um, I, was, I was carried along for actual public events, uh, marketing initiatives, um, Cellink was a big thing back there. I mean, that has been rebranded like tens of thousands of times okay. since. Uh, yeah. I'm not familiar <laughs> with that. What no. is that? But um, but it's 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 sort of like it's sort of like your T-Mobile, um, okay, your Verizon, whatever. So it's the mobile side of, um, what I guess in we can we can compare it to Bell Atlantic, okay, right? Where there's the telephone company where you know you've got your landline and then. Here's your mobile service. Like all this stuff is mobile. So that's what Cellink was. And yeah, created a couple of things for them and started talking more and more with, um, you know, CEOs, CFOs, um, you know, managers, supervisors of ideas. Were you wearing a suit to work? No. <laughs> Which was the awesome part about it. Why not? It. I could just wear jeans and a shirt and I'm get in I'm there. sure you clean up very nicely. Well, you know, at that point in time, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just about, you know, being geared so that I can actually, like, if I needed to go work, I could just run out and not be, like, all stuck up in a suit. Right. But I did wear soft pants and some long sleeve shirts from, from time to time. <laughs> and I, I hear that I clean up nicely. <laughs> So you're doing these these corporate gigs where you are not starting with an original idea, but someone's giving you an idea, mm -hmm. and you're applying your own creative aesthetic to right. it, yeah. and you already had a lot of experience. Yeah. So you're doing that kind of freelance sort of work. Mm -hmm. What what got you to a point where you wanted to come to the States and 
because w- w- were you born in the states? Are you big surprise? Yeah, you I were born. born in the states. I was born here. Yes, and then grew up in Guyana. Totally, all of my formative years in Georgetown, Guyana. Okay, yeah. why did you decide you're gonna pick up? Okay, and move to the um, states. So, <clears throat> on the whole journey of you know development, getting into you know professionalism, career, whatever, um, working with the media. Um, I had, so I had, do I have two migration stories? I think I have two migration <laughs> stories because I had left, while I was at gt and I got an offer to work as a television editor at a cable company in the islands. So got that offer. I'm like, man, this is great. I'm still young. I'm 22 years old now. Let's do it. You know, why not? Why not? There's nothing else happening. You know, great. I had job security and everything, but it's more of I'm thinking I'm thinking ahead where I'm like, it would look better if I had a diversity of experiences. So I've worked Guyana and now and now I have the opportunity to work at another territory within a, a whole other community where I can see different things and understand a new a new way of how people see things, you know, through media, how they consume media, um, look at ads, blah, blah, blah. So St. Vincent was the first stop. Um, then I got pulled on for the tourism, like the then tourism project. That was in 2008. Um, I was a videographer for that, for Antigua Tourism. Okay. Shot that through the cable company because the uh, Carib Cable that was there's like those nice long sweeping shots of the beaches and things like that yes like I lived in Antigua for a couple of months and I loved it because poor thing (laughs) (laughs) because you know I shot everything that was tourists you know and of course I got the perks of being the camera guy that was on these things you know so man totally like I've not I've tried to experience the other side of Antigua, which is not, you know, the whole sun, sand, and beach thing. Right. Uh, there were some family, some cousins, well, not cousins, no, family, friends, and stuff like that that lived out there that I try to connect with so that I can get a sense of the community, not the whole tourist, you know, flamboyance that they throw out there, um, but to live in, in real life Antigua. So that, too, sort of opened up the door to, to even more possibilities. So now I, I get the TV editor gig at Carib Cable. Then my job becomes redundant. I'm like six months in. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess this was a thrill. You, you mean you're doing the same thing over and well, over and me, over when, again? Well, when a manager comes to you and tells you, hey, your job is redundant, it means that there are several other people that are doing the exact oh, same thing that you're doing. I see. And we need our money. And I guess because you just got here, uh, so we, you were the low we man on the totem pole. I was, I was, la- I was the last guy in. So, oh, that sucks. you know, but I worked with a pretty awesome team, a very awesome team. I feel like it's one of the best teams that I've ever worked with in the Caribbean. Um, a six-man team. Uh, well, again, there was okay. So there are men and women <laughs> trying to be politically correct. And not, I'm not trying to be misogynist. <laughs> I never thought you were. Great. That's good to know, Robert. Good to know. Um, but those, those guys and girls really, they pulled me along. I thought that I was good. 
And then I came to a, an entirely new challenge where I, I had not seen or even knew that there was this much talent right in the Caribbean. You know, they were producing like um, hmm, really highly graphical stuff that you'd only imagine would come out of a U.S. studio. I was that brainwashed, I guess where I'd just be looking at television and be like, man, I need to be in the U.S. in order to do this. But then I get to the Caribbean and a very small island at that, and they're doing truckloads and, like, like mind-blowing graphics, mind-blowing um, proposals for stories and shows and stuff like that that would probably, um, in regular media, never see the light of day. It would never become mainstream media or anything for anyone to consume. So um, moved on from there and, and saw these guys. I became redundant. They upped my game because I learned so much from them. They learned from me. And so now I'm a little bit more confident in, you know, because I've been a little bit more exposed. Someone hears about my talent over at uh, the St. Vincent and the Grenadines Broadcasting Cooperation. So that's SVGBC. They're, they're about to lose one of their main editors and they're in the market for an editor. I am redundant at Carib Cable. So I hop ships. So you, you didn't get fired. You made a decision to well, I ha- pursue I, I employment feel, elsewhere. I feel, I feel like that was the better decision because I, I don't want to ever have on my record that I was fired from a job. You know, yeah, even that's not good. even even with a grand explanation downsized, of, right? You know, of you know, this position became redundant. I mean, anybody could read anything into that. You know, right? Like I mean? saying he wasn't good enough to stand out, right? Yeah. So I'm like, you know what? I'll just you know resign with honor. <laughs> <laughs> I'll resign with honor, and uh, so I resigned, and then I hop ships. So what was funny about that? Carib Cable and SVGBC, they're not necessarily the best of friends. I wouldn't say that they were enemies either, but they uh-huh. were sort of the competition. So they, SVGBC at the time thought it was great to get you know, one, someone from K45. Wait, did they seek you out or did you find them? Well, I, was, I guess I was, I was referred to them. So you got headhunted. I got headhunted. <laughs> <laughs> I got headhunted. And so that happened. And um, so my experience there now became more of that was more that was more of my managerial supervisory side. Uh, I created stuff. No doubt. I created stuff. I created stuff with a a great marketing manager at the time there, um, Candice Seeley. She had just come come back from uh, London, I think, and she, you know, she had uh, Trinidadian heritage, and she also had Vincentian heritage. So, but anyway, she's in St. Vincent, and she's the now the new marketing manager there, and so I was sort of reporting to her with the programs that we can create and sort of repackage to bring in more money. Um, I hated the news. I hated the news when I was in Ghana. I never really worked with news companies and stuff like that because news is just fast paced and it's, uh, it's, you know, there is some creativity there, but I just feel like it's just chop and throw. 
content, find yeah, content, yeah, find yeah, a story, get, get find me this, something. get me this, get me this. So I, I, I made it pretty clear that, hey, for as long as I'm here, do not give me the news to edit. I will, I, I will not be pleased. I will not be pleased at Did all. Did you say that your first day in the office? I said that on my third day. <laughs> I couldn't like, say okay, that during the interview. Am I good? Do I have a job? Am I good? Am I good? No news, buddy. I, cu- I couldn't. I couldn't say that on on my on my you know on my interview. But I, I I guess I was pretty headstrong on my interview too because I knew that they needed an editor. You know, like I smelt my my sweat as they would say. I knew that they needed me, and I made it hard for them to get me. But they got me, and I worked my ass off. So, I guess things became a little rough everywhere, and you know things started to get a little dark at the company as well. You know, monies and and job satisfaction, all that. Stuff. It's a family-owned business. Uh, you know, shout out to the McLeish family and stuff like that. But again, people felt sort of stifled. Um, the creativity was stifled because. Um, Management felt at the time that, you know, there's nothing wrong with the wheel. Why should we fix it? So, at you know, that's why we always had an edge at K45. We sort of um, looked at what was a little bit more attractive. It's it's content, um, but it's necessary content. And, but we just found a different way to package it. So people would tune in every which way, you know. Uh, but... They're like, well, it has worked for us for 40 years. Why change it? No. You know, mm-hmm. you've been catering to an entire generation that is probably no longer in, in your, you know, no longer interested in your content anymore. So how about bringing the new generation along? And you yeah, know. demographics are always evolving. Yeah. Right. So so there was that. So while I'm th- I'm probably there for like a year. I I spent a year in St. Vincent. There about a year, and there I had two jobs. I worked at two companies, and then I discovered my my poetic side. <laughs> well, I was writing poetry and all that stuff before, but I never did anything with it. Um, and that's where I met uh, J.P. Shimon and Blue Bucket Entertainment, and that became my event management side <laughs> event management i kid you not event management party planning well spoken word oh, okay okay so it was art it was music it was poetry and that evolved so Wait, I left, okay now mm-hmm, I, i'm yeah. imagining the stereotypical you've got bongo drums <laughs> and we don't clap we snap our we fingers snap, uh, is that is that kind of what we're talking that, about okay so there was not a that there's band. anything wrong with that. there's nothing wrong with that i'm just saying that's what comes that's, to mind that's exactly what comes to mind so uh there were bongo drums you'd be happy to know that nice but there was also art live art sketch art and a jazz band with um, poets and musicians and, and vocalists that would come from every which way in the island and perform at the show you know um spoken word show so um so you went from being this hard-working <laughs> hustling <laughs> nose to the grindstone kid from guyana yeah. who just wants to make films and edit and then all of a sudden you discover spoken word 
Yeah. I mean, I wrote before while I was grinding and all that stuff, but that was sort of like the closet writer. I feel like every every poet sort of has that beginning where, um, you know, I've got I've got a lot going on in my head. Let me write it. And then I will never share this with the world. It's going to stay in my closet. <laughs> you know? well, isn't that like the problem with any kind of art? I guess. You're afraid of that kind of rejection or people not understanding you. I guess. You're, you're, you're totally right about that. What was your first performance like? My first performance was the most, the most nerve-wracking thing you could ever imagine. I, and I feel like I had... Uh, a great amount of confidence but man standing in front of an audience that and you're about to share a, a part of yourself that was so private for so many years and now you know i mean i was still considered an outsider i'm a foreigner there mm-hmm. you know um i guess you know there's some folk that accepted me for for where i came from or for who i was but i i felt the foreigner complex and now my confidence is breaking down and now my knees are shaking and now my palms are sweating and now my hands are shaking. Now I cannot remember anything that I need to say. And I'm just standing there like deer in the headlamps. And then I said something. (laughs) And then it, it, it went on from there. Uh, but, um, you know, my first performance there was, it happened so fast. Uh, it was okay. I wouldn't say it was a rousing round of applause, right. you know. But no, it, it, was, it was a polite round of snapping right, the fingers. It was, right. It was polite. And like, uh, okay, we heard him. Okay, moving on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I didn't relish that. Were you the opener? Were you like the first person oh, to go? Oh, no, 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 no. That would have killed me. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I saw it. I, I was... I was like second to last or something like that because oh. I just I just wanted everyone to like leave <laughs> after that I didn't want to have to deal with anyone or have to sit there awkwardly thinking oh my god did I did I you know what did I do um, so that happened um, man but you, you you had a good enough experience to do it again well right did I, you do it again I, you know how so often it did was, you do it well no I didn't do it again I didn't perform again but I was really good at planning the show. I was really good at okay. um, pulling the show together, and um, I was really good at giving the host, which was JP. JP was the, at, at the head of all of this, and um, so we had a really good working relationship because we worked at um, the SVGBC company together as well. So I was editor, he was journalist, okay. and you know we were always like rap and talk about stuff and all that. So he realized that I could be an asset to his, you know, side job which was Blue Bucket Entertainment. And so got signed on. And then I'm running the show with him and, you know, pulling things together, pulling people together and all that. So I had a really good knack of planning. So I leave SVGBC. Cause they after s- how long? After I was there for probably like, I guess another five months. I... I, I you should you should see my resume. I job hopped a lot. <laughs> it sounds like it. my sister Rebecca once told me that if you're gonna have a solid resume in the corporate world, you should have at least two years at every job. Yeah, and those two years will tell the employer that 
you can do your job, yeah. you're reliable. Right. But now you're going to move for at least a $5,000 raise or however many dollars you have. Mm-hmm. So five months was enough. You're like, I'm hopping to another island. Is you know, well, you know, I was uh, I was back and forth between St. Vincent and Antigua. Um, I guess I probably hopped over to St. Lucia at one point. But that job became a little stressful, um, to be honest, because... That's where I felt the darkness of crippling art, where you have a young, vibrant team that's willing to, excuse me, willing to, um, like, really change the game, like, create um, programs, brand new programs. We created, you know, um, like, about six, six or seven brand new shows that, you know, people really liked. And for some reason, management didn't, dig that you know after a while it just became like no this is not what we want you know let's do it the way that we've been doing it all the time um the the cooperation was in charge well still is in charge i'd I'd imagine of you know uh, two of the biggest shows on the island um so there's the carnival queen show and then there's the um the the cooperation through the radio stations and stuff like that has uh, this huge, the Soka, I forget the name of it, Soka Jam or something like that. I'll, I'll remember the name of it, but it's huge. Like, Vincentians look forward to this show because it's, like, one of the signals that, you know, Carnival is on the way. Like, this is the launching party of Carnival. So I'm like, so why don't we spice it up a little bit? Why are we doing mm-hmm. the same thing over and over? Mind you, I guess I was probably... Um, out of place because I'm the I'm the studio manager there now. I'm not necessarily the um, marketing manager or public relations manager, but mm-hmm. I'm talking to the marketing and sales manager about this. And I'm like, we should challenge uh, management to, you know, think about this for a second. Let's let's go let's go live with this show. You know why why don't we just go live with it? Why don't we? You know, bust it up with interviews and stuff like that. You're like, no, never, you know, never do it. So before that show, I I deliberately seeked out a project that I can prove to management that this is very possible and it will be a success. So um, went on. This is after getting some pushback. For Correct. the creative stuff right. you were for doing. The, for, for the creative stuff. So you step back and you decide, okay, like, how do here's I another angle. Yeah. How can I convince them to do something new? Correct. So um, the face of Shabu is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing, I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> but it is sort of like, um, a Carib- it's a Caribbean magazine, uh, f- big fashion interest throughout the Caribbean. And uh, different countries, uh, different islands are pulling off uh, fashion shows and, you know, different events to sort of get models, the top models of each territory, of each island. Uh, St. Vincent had theirs coming up. I was working with Kimia Glasgow um, and I forget the other young lady's name, but uh, like one of the big fashion designers in the island and they're pulling off a show so i'm like why don't we go live with this show how Uh, many how how many cameras so it's gonna be like a three camera setup it was basic because that's all i had at the time that's all all the resources that i had like why don't we go live with the show 
Um, but I just remember that there was a story, a, a very similar story like that for K45 as well. Like I got them to go live and we can go live and we went live. And like, I'm telling you right now, let's go live. So I right. real life. So, um, it's a three, it's a three camera, uh, setup, but there's a roving camera as well. And I'm going to mix there. So everything's going to happen right on, on the location. So it's location recording, location mixing and location broadcasting. I was ready for the task. You're flashing back to church in Guyana at 13 <laughs> years old where some soprano is going really high with the note and you're like, oh, I got to turn it down a little bit, uh -huh. right? Yep. So I get all that and I, so I give the proposal to management and they're like, why do you need all this stuff? I'm like, trust me, you'll see why. And somehow they gave it to me. Nice. And... So we ran with the show. It was a hit. The girls won an award because of that show, because of that event. Really? They won an award for it. We packaged that show afterwards because we were like, okay, let's sell this show now. Like People are going to want to see what had happened for the folks that were not there. So let's you know rebroadcast it and let's sell this to the different boutiques and stuff like that that would be interested in getting people to come see their stuff because everybody's going to look at Face of Shabu, so why not? Mm -hmm. That happened too. Loved it. Nice. The folks loved it. So I'm like, well, here's my proof that this is going to work. Let's get it done. And, you know, I wish I could say that the rest was history. It wasn't because <laughs> they didn't change it. I got so angry. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to pull that down. I got so angry with, uh, you know, the way that things were managed there. So I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I'm washing my hands clean of this. I can't, I can't live like this. Mm -hmm. So I resigned. <laughs> so I resigned from there as well. Um, it was not the best resignation. I can Did you flip a desk over? Oh and man! Throw something, and you know, P this is a PG thirteen broadcast. <laughs> okay, all right, I understand. So yeah, um, it wasn't it wasn't a pleasant parting, but I left, and we we went myself and JP. We went full time into you know planning or poetry shows and. And getting ads done and we're, we're almost like a PR consultancy firm for like a couple of months and then I realized that the money was not really turning over as much because you know we're just two guys that just lost their jobs and you know trying to pull things together and I'm like man I don't know how much longer I can live like this I, I, I wasn't ballsy enough at the time to just like ah let me fight through this I'm like suffer for my art let me go back home where i can <laughs> suffer you know with family <laughs> oh man so you had a situation where you're working freelance yeah you quit the job did not go very well didn't end the way you may have liked uh what then you're stuck on an island you're doing spoken word events yeah with one other guy with one other guy you're you're subs uh, subsisting on on what what staple foods are you eating? <laughs> at that Bread time? Bread and water. I mean, at like, that time, um, I I got I fell in love with um, dasheen. So this is sort of like a yam. Okay. Um, it's a ground provision, as we call it. And um, man, I was I was doing so much with dasheen. Like I made chips. I made 
quiche. I mean, every single thing that I possibly could imagine. With Have you heard thing. the 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 rhyme? Peas porridge hot. Peas porridge cold. Peas <laughs> porridge in, in five, five, nine days, days old. Is that what you were doing with uh, this particular? <laughs> So I've I've had that that journey. Uh, <laughs> it was crazy. What's it called again? Dashin. Did you have Dashin surprise? Is that a kind of <laughs> <laughs> Dashin casserole? I had every I had Dashin in every which way it could have been cooked and eaten. Uh, but you know, of course, with other stuff, you know, it it was it is or was it was what it was. Yes. <laughs> but I spent I spent sort of like. Um, two three months pulling sort of pulling that together we were we were gunning for big things we really wanted to um change the game for event planning and and spoken word and that kind of thing in st vincent like we truly wanted to switch that up so we started we we went to advertising like we started to advertise and um you know we started doing bigger shows and you know we'd have uh, more musicians, more artists. Did more you get Sean Paul to show up? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> he would have probably never heard of such a show like in that tiny place, but you know, but it, it grew and I wished that I could have stayed. I, I really wanted to, but I, I, I was in a place where it's, this place is so unfamiliar to me. I've had some bad experiences. Um, so why not just, you know, go back home? Just go home and rethink, um, retool, and that's exactly how I got here. It was through it was through that detour. Um, so I get back to Ghana, and I'm there like, okay, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? But while I was at Ghana Prize, I was all because my friend Dwayne Holder, he came here for his. Um, he came here for his. Uh, I think he did his undergrad at OU. Okay. Right. And he would talk about, you know, the great things about OU. And I'm like, man, that's the place I want to be. You know, I want to do the, he was telling me about the media arts school and stuff like that. Um, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. Started doing my research and I'm like, yeah, this is the school that I want to go to. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but this is the school I want to go to. And lo and behold, um, you know, Muhammad was not able to go to the mountains. The mountain came and at when I just moved back to Ghana, there was... I haven't heard that expression in so I, long. <laughs> I heard that expression since college. <laughs> just moved back to Ghana, and um, lo and behold, Ohio University has an exchange program with the University of Ghana. What? Really? Yes. How about that? I know. Um, I So before then, I feel like I've turned away hundreds of people that were interested in going to the university. I thought the University of Ghana was the biggest waste of time ever. Really? Like, yeah. What was your degree in when you went there? When I went there, I did my degree in uh, communication studies. Okay. So sort of like a, like a leaning towards journalism and stuff like that. But the reason you why... You journalism. <laughs> but the reason why I did that... Not that there's anything wrong with journalism. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with journalism just not for Yafet yeah uh, well that kind of journalism understood Um, so the program was very it was a whole lot more theoretical I'm the I'm the technical guy like I want to know your hands on right I want to know what I can do with my hands and and through whatever skill I have to operate equipment and not have to sit behind a desk and write 
stories. I mean, I can. I can write, you know, news packages and, and whatever, but that's not my love. I, you know, it, it's not, it doesn't, it feels like giving labor, you know, it's, it's feel, giving birth, sorry, to a story every time. And I, I, it's, it's all of the, the principles and the constructions involved in writing the best story and how it should flow and, and the interview process and all that good stuff. Like, so it's all labor, no love. No love for me whatsoever. So you, but you got your degree anyway. Right, because, because of the, the collaboration between the two schools. Because at that time, um, OU and uh, the Center for Communication Studies, uh, the CCS, Mandurai, there's some parts of me that misses that place. There are other parts of me that really doesn't. <laughs> so you still, well, that, that means that you still, you still remember and, the bad things. Well, oh, yeah, but some of them could be looking, so I can't say everything. Of course not. PG-13. <laughs> good. PG, PG-13 cast. This episode is PG-13. <laughs> we'll be rated our episodes again. Trust me. So, so, so you talked to your friend. You heard about OU, and, mm-hmm. this is, this, and then you decided this, to get your undergrad. Well, that was upon my return where I'm like, okay, so I feel like I've worked enough. Um, I've been in the field. I've worked with companies and stuff like that. I have nothing that says that I'm qualified. You know, I have all this work experience. You mean the diploma? I don't have anything. There's nothing. Like my high school. Okay, so high school. When I was finished with high school, you know, we get we get the we get the CXC certificate. I guess that's sort of like a high school diploma, the equivalent of a high school diploma in the U.S. Um, so with that, I mean, those are general subjects that you write, and I guess you sort of specialize after that. Mm-hmm. So a lot of folk, um, after after finishing their CXCs, they go on to O-levels and A-levels, because our, our educational system is a little bit more influenced by British, you know, British education. Okay. Um, so everything would be geared towards that. So O levels, A levels. I was interested in it. I'm like, so what do I do in it? I don't know. Um, so I was already working while in high school. So just I just continued working. So built, built, built skill. But I have nothing that says like a piece of paper. I felt as though I, you know, I reached that place where I needed a piece of paper that said he's qualified. Isn't that a shame? Isn't that a real shame? That's a whole because other conversation. Are, it's true, but I mean, I just want to say it right now because yeah. there are a. I remember when I when I got out of my undergrad and I had a really nice GPA, mm-hmm. uh, and I was talking to my sister and uh, one of my sisters. I have a lot of sisters, and she was giving me a hard time about you know like you didn't work very hard to get such good grades. Right. I had to work harder to get those grades. And she says, and you know what, Robert? No employer ever asked me what my GPA was. They just saw that I had a degree. Yeah, and that's the truth. Yeah, they don't care. You got the degree. Anyway, continue. I got <laughs> so you got your piece of paper. Right. You got I, got, I got my piece of paper. And at that point, I'm like, okay. So I feel like I'm pretty poised and geared to go on to get my master's. Now, I was never the guy that's gunning for academics. Like, I, I could care less about. Amen, Yafet. <laughs> I could care less about that stuff. But I, I got a taste for it. And, and you have to have an undergrad degree to get into a master's program. Correct. So, I mean, that's a so huge that, hurdle. So that was, so it went from a workshop because that's how it started. It went from a workshop. I did a, a, a journalist media workshop. 
then I'm like, okay, I guess I need to, to get a degree. So I was already introduced to journalism and all that good stuff. So I w- worked in and walked in, had hell to get into the program because some people didn't think that you know I qualified or that I had enough to actually be a part of the program. Yeah, I'm telling you, bro. Like, w- like what? What are they looking for? Well, you know, it's, you wonder, right? I, I did wonder. <laughs> I did you did. ever do? I, I, here's an unrelated question. Well, mm. somewhat related question. Did you ever have to do a news story where you used one of those announcer voices? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> you ever meet those people? I, I, you know what? Come to think of it, I might have. Where they always like sound like they're announcing something? Yeah. Like, hi, how you doing? <laughs> My name's Yaffe. <laughs> how are you? How's and the weather? How I know. Let's talk news. about the weather. <laughs> Let's talk about the weather. Or something like that. Um, but thankfully, uh, got into the program, uh, worked my ass off, and, um, you know, moved on like so i met i met administrators that from ou while there was the collaboration between the two schools um lo and behold i i was able to meet a family friend that i didn't even know was a family friend that was teaching here at ou at that time um you know professor vibrant cambridge i meet him and i'm like okay great so i'm talking to this guy and he asked, so what's your name? Yafet, Yafet Jackman. And he's like, all right, cool. So I go home and I'm telling my mom and my, and my dad about everything that's happening with this workshop. And I say, you know, I met this really great guy, Vibrant Cambridge. He's like, pardon me? You met who? Vibrant Cambridge. You tell Vibrant Cambridge that you are Hazel Ford's son because that's her maiden name. I go up to this guy and I'm like, well, I've got this message for you from Hazel Ford. He's like, how is she doing? I was like, well, that's my mom. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Apparently she was his secretary back in the day. Wow. So, you know, it's all this sort of stuff that just came together. In Ohio. In Ohio. In Athens, Athens, Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. This place. (laughs) This place. The Midwest. Oh, yeah. Harvard on the Hawking. Harvard on the Hawking. That's what it is. So, you know, the rest is history. I applied. This was the only school I applied to. Me too. And, you know, I I I, I sort of had this cockiness that, hey, I have to get in here. Like, this, this is no joke. Like, I've worked. I've done everything to be here. So I Your deserve, resume I deserve, is ridiculous. <laughs> I deserve let a me spot. In. Yeah. So I was allowed. <laughs> they That's allowed awesome. me in. And I continued to work from there. Did you have to interview? Did they interview you? Yeah, it's it's a regular thing. Of course they interviewed me. I, I got interviewed by Tom Hayes. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. This is um, a great interview. Yeah. Actually, it really was. I, it was a fun conversation. It really was. I had like a nice little hour-long yeah, right. Skype. Tom, Tom is a great guy. So, you know, we were on. Was I on Skype? No, I wasn't on Skype. We were on the phone. Like, he had called. And with with you know the Tom Hayes voice, you know so uh, you you're very Mr. Serious. Jackman, Mr. Jackman, tell me a little <laughs> bit about your experience. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about yourself. I'm hoping to get Tom on the program at some. That would point. be a great. That would be a great. He'd be a. He's a fantastic uh, podcast. He's got some amazing stories. Oh yeah. Oh I'll tell yeah. You what. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 
so so you pick up from uh, from Guyana. You mm-hmm. moved to Athens. Had you been in a snowy environment before you yes. moved here? Yes, I mean I've been I've been in New York and all this, okay. this good stuff before. So snow is not a problem, but. Because you keep saying snowballing, and I'm thinking, like, how many snowballs are there in <laughs> how Guyana? How many are there in Guyana? Yeah, <laughs> plenty. <laughs> I mean, we had snow cones. In- <laughs> oh, all right. Yeah. So um, I get here. Athens, man, Athens revolutionized my, th- my, my thing. It blew my mind. Athens, Ohio blew my mind. And it was the first time that I was so cognizant of the color of my skin. Really? No, I come from yeah. This I come is a from pretty diverse. You'd think so. Well, yeah. I I come from a pretty diverse, um, you know, country where there are six different races there, okay. six different um, stems of nationality. So the whole, I guess, the whole racism and you know classism and all the isms existed in that community. Um, and that's what we call black on black or brown on brown crime, you know, because you, you, you wonder, you wonder what are the things that make us so different that you feel that you need to act this way when when you really get behind that curtain, there's so many similarities. Oh, yeah. I mean, you it, and this is something that I've always believed, but it didn't become really clear to me until mm-hmm. I was here is that I don't care what your sexual orientation is. Right. I don't care what your gender identity is. I don't right. care what your racial identity. I don't care where you're from. All I care about is if you work hard, mm-hmm. are good to work with, yeah. and are polite. Right. I, I mean, I, I seriously, like that is what I look at now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't care. Like, none, none of the, none else, nothing else matters mm-hmm. on a film set, in, mm-hmm. in the creative world, in the working world. It is entirely about like, do you work hard? Yeah, and are you responsible? Yeah, and I realize that that's those are the kind of people I like being around, and those people are in every subculture. Yeah, doesn't make a difference. So you got here, like you get off the the plane or you move in, and that immediately became that was a that big was thing for you. Yeah, that was the thing. It was the thing. I feel I was in a safe haven because at that time my cohort, um, you know, fourteen. 14 of us. I feel like that was one of the, the biggest classes that I've ever had. In you the mean, film mean 14 in your 14 film students, class? 14 students, yes. Okay, 14 students. Not 14 from Guyana. No. <laughs> that would have wow. been awesome. Serious over-representation that, oh, of Guyana. Yeah, that would have been awesome because <laughs> we've never been represented before. <laughs> but right. anyway. Um, 14 students, really? 14 students, okay. 7 males, 7 females, 7 international, 7 local. And that's I, how they I've, do it exactly and i felt like wow this is a great opportunity here so this is my safe haven this is my safe bubble but then outside of that bubble outside of 31 south court street i walk down that street and all i'm seeing are people other than myself i mean no one is snagging or you know snarky or being rude or or anything like that but i'm very conscious now of being a minority. Of being a minority, you know, on, on campus. So that, I guess, my sensibilities grew a little bit more. So now I feel like I now have to adapt to the American minority kind of thing. You know, the way that you, the way that you operate as a minority in America, as opposed to 
the way that I had to operate as a minority in Guyana or in the Caribbean or whatever. So I'm a non-white person walking around and it's the conversation, it's the feel of the atmosphere, it's everything that is unlike what I'm used to. I'm like, wow, how am I going to survive here? And this is in Athens, you know, in which in, is like a hippie paradise. Correct, <laughs> you know. So I'm looking at movies and all this good stuff before, and I'm like, man, I just thought that these people made this shit up. That's this is all I thought that you know, these are characters that people are creating. These people are not real, right? No, but <laughs> they exist. I, they do. They exist. So, so wait, I, I, I yeah, gotta yeah, back yeah. up a little bit Go because this is interesting. So you, you, you're from Guyana, mm-hmm. dark-skinned, you've got dreads. Well, I didn't always have dreads. Okay, well, you, let's, let's assume <laughs> you had those. Okay, so you, you're presenting a certain image just based on your personality. Right. Right? And you get here and you feel like you're a minority. And then, But you also said you felt like you had to shift into a way of operating that was a minority in America. Did you feel like you had to suddenly jump into a category? Well, yes. And and voluntarily. Like you didn't want to stand out or you had to find allies. Like can you explain that to me a little bit? All right. Like So let me back. Because you don't strike me as someone who like is in a group. Like when I've talked to you, mm-hmm. I've always looked at you as the individual. Okay. Yeah, fit. And we've we've communicated that mm-hmm. way. I've never mm-hmm. been like, oh, he's the black guy, <laughs> you know, or yeah. he's the he's the Caribbean guy. It's yeah, always yeah. been Yafet, you know, cinematographer taught right. me a lot about sound. Great to work with. That's how I that's how I look at you. Okay, All right. so tell me how you had to sort of change. Did you change the way you acted? Did you have to modify how you spoke? Did you were you more careful about going out? I mean, how did that how did that work for you? So before I got here, um, I was I was gassed up as they would say. I was really psyched and pumped. By my friends um, saying, hey, you're going to be exotic. You're, you're going to get there and you're going to be the exotic guy. Everyone is going to want to be around you because you've got locks and you, you know, your, your skin and you're just going to be exotic. And, and all I kept saying to them was, I really don't think so. Right? I'm going into a graduate program where I feel, you know, although there are white people here, you know, especially white women, uh, where the sort of the expectation is that oh my god here's a black guy I am going to live my 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 jungle my jungle fantasy or <laughs> some crap like that right <laughs> I mean I got all that <laughs> okay and you would have been okay with that right <laughs> they're, they're, don't tell they're, me that no, that's not, I'm not, not, I'm not going to front appeal I'm not going to front to be an there exotic is, guy there is there is that appeal. How how would I go over in Guyana? You'd be the white guy. I'd look like the Dutch guy, right? Well, truly, because I'd of the beard. I look like a colonialist. More so, oh, okay. more so because of the beard as opposed to... You wouldn't re- you wouldn't be the regular white guy, though. Okay. But then they're folk like you. You're more Portuguese to us in Guyana because you're not like pale white. or pretty, co- pretty, You're not... You're, I, yeah, I, you're being you generous. No, I, no, I'm being honest. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. You're not the. I feel, and I, I, I use the word typical loosely, the the Caucasian. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. You come. You come. You you come more European. You you're you're a little bit more Dutch Portuguese. You're you're, you're in that category okay. as opposed to Caucasian. Okay. 
Um, so yeah, I got all that information of you know I'm going to be exotic. I'm going to be exotic. You're going to live it. You got to live like the exotic guy. So I was going to play up. <laughs> right. You know, I'm not going to try to modify my language. I'm not going to try to modify the way that I dress, sound, whatever, how I operate. No. Straight up Guyanese. And I get here and it's like you remember me referring to the sort of black on black, brown on brown crime mm-hmm. where for the few folk that I saw that looked like me, I got excited to see them. And I I am making the darnest effort to greet them. And they're like, mm, uh, you know, there's something about you that's not, it, it's not familiar. So there's the Caribbean black, the, the South American black, the, the Latin American black, and then there's the American black. Then there's the African black. There's so many... We're talking about cultural categories, not necessarily racial categories. Well, I feel like, I feel like it, 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 it runs on both. Um, it, stag- it straddles both, both these um, themes. So, um, there, so you're trying to connect with people. Yeah. And you're having trouble. And I'm having trouble. I'm I'm having trouble connecting with people like people that look like me. And I'm wondering why, you know, I've always sort of had a problem connecting to to people at some point in time, you know, um, where I always pull back into my shell and I'm like, what am I doing wrong? You know, am I too intense? Am I too vocal? Am I too... Uh, do I look intimidating? <laughs> you don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, that that kind of thing. So when, when we get you in the gym, you're going to look more intimidating. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. It's day. happening. It's happening. I'm looking forward to that day. So, you know, I and I talked about this. I was invited to a lunch bag at some point before, like during my first year, you know, as and the the only the only black guy in my MFA in my MFA class, um, you know, in arts in in film, at that well, in my cohort. Right. So we're talking about our experiences, and I said the, the exact same thing. I'm like, listen, I got here, and I'm like, oh my god, I am black. Like I said those words because the campus was just so white and i mean there's nothing wrong with that i mean look at where we are you know what i mean yeah we're in the midwest right look at where we are we're right near coal mining country you know this is like the deer hunting capital of the united states i mean it's very rural yeah so yeah so it was you know i was i was not prepared i didn't prepare myself properly for that transition but it it, you know I, i sort of knew how to navigate over time so i don't fit in as um, the um, you know people see me and I you know I'm like he's not he's not from here so I'm not I'm not accustomed to operating the way an American young you know black student would operate I, d- I wouldn't talk like them there are certain references that you could use and I'm like what are you talking about I d- you know I don't have that connection because I haven't grown up here mm-hmm. you know so I'm in grad school now and people are expecting me to know or have some sort of sense of 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 what they're talking about their pop culture and their you know their their slangs and their you know the yeah the all music's a big one too correct and i feel like i've always been on the tangent of these things i've not 
so a, a brand new movie would come out or a brand new TV show would come out in 2016. I wouldn't look in that show probably till like two years after, a couple of months after, or something like that. You know, cause I'm not always running with what the the trend is. I think that's a good sign. Yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because every now and then I'll be like, "Hey guys, have you heard of this uh, mm-hmm. this TV show called Game of Thrones? You hear about this? <laughs> you guys hear about this? They're like Robert, it's season it's seven, the, right? And I'm like. Oh, wow. Oh, right. Or, or one time I was up to like three in the morning. I had a little bit too much to drink. <laughs> and I stumbled across the Katy Perry video for Roar. You know that song? Yes. But I, I see it for the first time like three years after it was a hit. I start telling people, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I don't listen to pop music, but this is a powerful song. They're like, Robert, seriously? And I'm like, yeah, and I just heard about this girl named Miley Cyrus. You guys heard about <laughs> Yeah, have you ever? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So. So, so, you, so, so how, how did you go about acclimating yourself? Because, I mean, you're in an, I mean, even for me, my first semester was uh, not like, racially, maybe not so much, but I mean, feeling like an outsider, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're around a bunch of creative types, there are certain stereotypes that are associated with creative types. Yeah. So if you are a strong white male, I mean, you stand out. Yeah. If you're wearing t-shirts with skulls on them and you don't talk to a whole lot of people and you buzz your head, it's like, oh, well, he's, he's... probably a white supremacist or, <laughs> you know, he probably hates everyone who's not white or yeah. he's probably this. And, you know, he probably doesn't listen to nice music and yeah. he doesn't appreciate theater. But I'm yeah. sitting here, I'm like, you know, and once again, it's that outward appearance. Right. You know, so so how did you how did you you're still here? You know, you're a thesis student. You survived. Yeah. Yeah. How did you do that? I don't know that I did anything to be honest. Um, it 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 became a it became a it got to the point where it was more of what am I here for? Am I here to be fighting to sort of fit into an identity or a category? Or am I here to you know just get my degree, make my connections, do great work, and then like move on? You know, because I I see Athens as a very it's a temporal place. You know, so for the time that you're here, make the best of it. Uh, be yourself. Make the best of it. Do what you need to do. You know, make make your you know create your alliances. Um, you know, pave your way. But I don't think I for me I don't see Athens as the buck. You know what I mean? Like the buck stops here. Mm-hmm. No, I am not stopping here. I'm passing through. However, I do want to leave my mark before I leave. And, you know, so it was more of a case where I don't have to fit in. Like there's 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 no law that says that I need to. Um, there's no real pressure. I, I don't have to be the the favorite guy or, you know, you know, running with the wolves or running with the sheep or whatever. I, I don't have to fit in. I just have to do what I need to do. And the rest is history. So I came here to work and like like your purview on, you know, do you work hard? Are you polite? Are you, you know, driven, you know, purposeful? Do you show up on time? Right. <laughs> do you do good work? Yeah. Do you avoid complaining? Are you a helper, not a hindrance? So basi- so basically instead of focusing on the social aspect you just kept I working dug, right i just, just dug, in, I dug into my work and learn and you know so it's my work ethic i feel like it's my work ethic that got me the alliances that i have now 
because um, I stopped I stopped really sort of fighting in the social realm. I mean, I'm a I'm a social guy. Yeah, you are. Yeah. <laughs> I love hanging out. I love people. I love being around. People. I can't believe you got me to play pool. <laughs> I, I, pulled I, you, I pulled you out on that. D- dear listeners and viewers, if you're watching here, I hadn't played pool in probably three years. And after filming, Yafet decided, hey, my buddy here is leaving, so you have to play with me. You have to be my partner. I'm, I'm thinking, no. No, I'm not playing pool. And we ended up winning two two more yeah, games exactly. and had a great time. Yeah, it, it was, yeah, it was I mean, awesome. Thank you for breaking you're, me into that because you're, you're most welcome. I was very hesitant to, <laughs> to play pool. But I had a great time. Good. I really had a great time. So, But the thing is, when you work hard and when you make those good connections, then the social thing kind of follows as a matter Correct, of course. Because you have a basis now that you can work off of. I mean, the rapport is is always great to build as well. Um, apart from, like for us, you know, our our conversation, like we were in we were in the environment of a film, you know, on a film set, but we weren't always talking about films, right? You know what I mean? It's different experiences that brought us together and started talking. Um, so that I feel like that was the byproduct of that. So no, if we're on another set, we have so much more. To, to talk about we're, we're a little bit more connected now because of our past experiences and, and we can probably communicate better yeah based on that experience right which is why you need i mean the, when i was talking to willis about it mm-hmm. i said if you had one piece of advice for shooting a film what would it be and he said pick a good team yeah that's all he told me yeah that was it and i was like oh yeah yeah, yeah. that's that's of course really, that's really that's really what it is because you sort of want to have you sort of want to have that confidence that you you have people that care about your project just as much as you do, mm-hmm. and they're going to work as hard as you're going to work. Uh, so you're going to work towards making them feel comfortable, and they're going to work towards making you satisfied with your project. You know, to to really help you fulfill what it is that you pull them on to help you to do, because it's a collaboration. Yeah, what? Well, that's the crazy thing. I mean, the, one of the things that I'm really I think I've probably mentioned this on the last episode of the podcast. For me, it's not about doing the task. It's about the social part of having a group of people and you have all these different personalities. And how do you work with those personalities to get the best work out of them? Right. How do you work in a way that isn't dictatorial Mm -hmm. that, you know, gets the best work out of people? And especially if you're directing actors. I mean, I was talking to Tim about this. It's like, you might have the most brilliant actor in the world, but if they have some kind of issue with the way you speak to them then you're not going to get a good performance how how do you how do you modify how do you Mm -hmm. i mean do do you feel like the experience of being a minority and coming here and being uncomfortable helped develop you as an individual it has it it has helped me in in you know personal development and sort of the self through self-awareness i i got to self-realization of, of, you know, what it is that I'm here for. Even in my work, you know, when I started, I, I struggled. In my first semester here, I struggled um, because I didn't know <clears throat> who I was writing for. Who am I making films for? You know what I mean? I don't understand, I don't understand um, this environment or this audience. Um, I don't fully understand my, my, my colleagues that are in class and stuff like that, you know? Uh, what what so I was more about 
what do I do that I can please everybody? You know, that's, sort of blanket. Yeah, that's sort death. Of, yeah, as they sort say. of blanket. It's like you know, so that everyone gets it. What do I do? And I'm like struggling to find a story, struggling to find a script, struggling to get an idea. I'm like, I don't know. I can't. I can't come up with anything. So my <laughs> my first year film. Which I don't know if you've seen. I have not seen your first year film. I saw but, your second year film. I was okay. on the brutal side of things. <laughs> <laughs> Solomon Dasko, is yeah, that what it was Solomon called? Dasko. My Solomon Dasko. My God. Dasko. And the, the way you presented it, you're like, you're up there smiling like, hi, everyone. Thank you so much for coming out. <laughs> this is a very dark film. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and I'm like, great. What am I in for? Oh, oh, oh I'm in for this. Yeah. My, my, first, my first year <laughs> film. Um, so... With my, I had the idea, a simple idea of, hey, there's this guy that wants to get a drink out of a, like a, a drink dispenser, a soda dispenser. Mm-hmm. He's having a hard time getting it out. That was it. In my camera, was this, right, our camera exercises, the in-camera exercise, which the, I feel the, like you've, you've done already. Yes, I have. Right. Um, so in there, and just testing, just throwing ideas out there. Um, Tom Wade, he was a part of our cohort at the time, but you know couldn't. Unfortunately, he felt like he was left out because he was the only HTC with all these grad students. And so, HTC for the listeners uh, is a- for Honors Tutorial College. Um, so he was an, an honest. Honors Tutorial College student, at least that's what I think. HTC so that, that's means. an yeah, it is. It's so it's an, it's undergrad. It's just like sort of like an, an a bridge between undergrad grad stu, um, grad studies, where you're doing graduate work in your undergrad. I still can't believe that anyone and, I would, and you graduate with your, you know, your your BF whatever. Your but BFA. you have grad school experience. But you have grad school experience. Which is pretty remarkable. Which is pretty insane. Yes. But, you know, so, kudos, kudos to HDC students. I have a lot of respect for the yes. HDC students. No doubt. So, um, so I mean, Tom Wade, brilliant guy. You know, he is chocked full of ideas and chocked full of intelligence. But uh, more, more of a good, you know, a intelligent comedian and stuff like that. So, goofy guy. Just all into it, you know. Mm-hmm well-read and everything so he's in front of the camera and he starts to to grope the machine (laughs) sexually yes like you know i got the shots that i wanted and andrea pearson she was a part of my group so it's andrea pearson dylan dyer um myself tom wade we were we were that group and i'm like so I don't know what else to do, guys, because I haven't used up the reel of, you know. So you got the shots you wanted. I got the shots that You're I wanted. You're like, hey, let's see what and happens. Like, so, yeah. yeah. So Andrea threw it out there. And I'm like, hmm, I don't know if I want to do that, but, you know, let's go with it. So he starts to grope the machine. And um, the rest was history. So I, I saw that. It worked. People responded to it. And I'm like, hmm, I guess I could take this up a notch. So I'll let, I'll I'll you know save you the suspense and I'll just send you the link so that you can see it. I can't wait. <laughs> wait, is it on your Vimeo page? Uh, it's private on my Vimeo page. Ah, I see. Yeah, you could hit me up on Vimeo. Hit me up on Vimeo, folks. Hit me up on Vimeo. Um, 
Yeah, it's on my Vimeo page, but private. So I'll mm-hmm. send you that link because okay. I'm I'm recutting it so that I can send that. I am festivals. breathless with anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, so there was that. That happened. Then I'm like. Um, that's not me. I don't feel like that's representative of who I am. This this was the first time I've ever done something that was you know, that was looked at as being uh, more sexualized. I mean, the images to me were quite simple. Um, on the face of things, I didn't think that he was raping the machine or <laughs> or whatever this is a comment on our technological society <laughs> and the rise of ai <laughs> you know i didn't think that he was raping the machine. this was man versus machine i didn't think mm. that this was man having sex with the machine right exactly <laughs> but you know it was looked upon like that so then that helped me to understand that you know, social cues and social images, the, the images and the things that were quite normal within my society and my upbringing, uh, you know, we've normalized. And, you know, if you've heard anything about the Caribbean, we've sort of <clears throat> almost sexualized everything. Our language is, is sort of is very subtle and sexualized. Sometimes we're very on the nose with it. Um, so now I'm in I'm in a more sensitive um, environment and you know where sexism and and misogyny and 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 it's harassment a hot, hot and, button oh yeah so you sort of want to really tread lightly on these things i'm like i didn't want to make a comment on any of these things i didn't think that i was gunning for any of that you know i i at in class when we had the you know we were looking at our our, our dailies and people were like oh my god i i <laughs> people were uncomfortable and I'm saying, I'm sorry. What do you mean? What do you mean? How is this uncomfortable? I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's all that that I had to consider with my storytelling. So did that get you to a point where you wanted to tell more personal stories, not something that was so broad? You know, so, so for whatever you've read on my blog, it's it was only the personal stories that connected, that people that really, that people really, gravitated to and i feel like every time i strayed from that it just didn't connect it just didn't work so i i sort of dug a little deeper and i'm like all right let's 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 try to tell familiar stories despite of where you're from i feel it's more of a human connection as opposed to a social connection or a cultural connection so i started writing or tried to write human stories um, my mother told me this a long time ago. She's like, you're too deep. You know, you have a lot of things going on in your head and you just haven't found a way to dilute that as yet. So when you write stuff and all that, it, it's layered. And it's true. It's, it's you know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking 10 times, 20 times, 100 times forward. I don't want to tell your mother how to think but I don't think that's a bad thing. <laughs> no. I think that's actually a good thing, you know, to think beneath the surface because I mean, we're involved in a medium that that is about the image and Correct. the sound. And I mean, how, how do you get to that deeper understanding? Yeah. So so you went from your film 1 and I went from my film 1 and then then did you make a conscious decision, okay, I'm not going to try to make anyone happy. Did you find a in, in my first ideal year, audience? In my first year, no. Because I w- I'm still like I was still um, contemplating my audience. I was still contemplating, you know, 
whose filmmaker am I? Am I making films for my community that I'm familiar with, my Guyanese folk? Am I making films for them? Am I making films for the American society? What do I want to be known for? What do I want to be, you know, recognized for or, or with or by? Um, so by the time I got around to, to my, my film too, I was still unclear. So I just gave birth to a story that I'm like, uh, you know, I just did it because I had to do it. I, I wasn't fully vested in that story in, in my film too. I didn't screen it. Really? I had the opportunity to screen it. I was like, I didn't screen it cause I didn't, I wasn't satisfied with it. you know, cause again, I'm looking for something that sort of represents me that I feel comfortable with and say, well, Hey, yeah, this, this is sort of the story that, you know, sort of stories that I'd like to tell and, um, not to, not to be sort of picked out of the air. Like, Oh, it's only these themes that Yafet is going to talk about, right. but it's within that range. How important is it to consider your audience when you're an artist? Very. It's very important. And um, I feel it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more layered and even more important if, if you're someone like me. You know, you're coming, you're representative of a, a, a multicultural nation, you know, that, that, so your home, your home people have that expectation of you mm-hmm. to be able to fully represent um, their stories and everything that's happening in that country, everything that's relatable to them that they can connect to. And then you're, you're, you're a filmmaker in the U.S. Western society where, you know, there's sort of a, there's some formulas, but then there aren't, you know, if you understand what I mean. So there's Hollywood and then there's indie filmmaking. Right. right? Or there's European art film. Right. right. And, you know, there's so many categories, subcategories of, of the film industry. Mm-hmm. So carving carving your your audience it's a case where I, 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 I've come to the decision now where it's more about I want to be a proponent for Caribbean stories because I feel like that's undertold. There are fantastic directors, cinematographers, actors that are doing so much and then some that would practically upstage what's happening in the U.S. society for cinema, you know, TV, any, any which way you put it. It's just that we don't have that exposure. We haven't reached... You know the, we haven't reached there yet. There, there are some territories that are doing a whole lot more than others, but we sort, we still have to sort of, uh, you know, unify that. But, um, you know, I want to be known for. I feel like I have a better chance of being well known, a well known Caribbean filmmaker. You know, I could still make Caribbean films from here. I'll go back there, shoot whatever, and sort of bring that back to represent within this mainstream or underground forum that I have in the US. That's interesting because I, I, I've, I watched a video recently. Um, someone posted, actually I think it was Tim Ashby. Mm. Shout out to Tim. Um, posted a video of David Bowie talking about an artist and he says, he says never play to the gallery because playing to the gallery is death. You know, like it's not good to you know, play to your audience. But it's interesting that you, you're talking about being a filmmaker your identity as an artist is inextricably tied to being from the Caribbean. Yeah. So you want to make films that represent that part of your development, that part of your personality. Yeah. So does that, 
Do you think that in any way limits the kind of stories you can tell? Do you feel like that is sort of more of an anchor than a chain? Do you feel like that's a box? I mean, I'm trying to get in a sense of if there's any limitation to your creativity based on you're making films for people in Guyana or making mm-hmm. films for people in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, when I write something, I'm writing purely from what's happening in my brain. I, I'm not thinking about an audience. When I write it, I will let someone read it who I think is a good judge of what my audience might be. Mm-hmm. But I'm not writing for the, you know... 25 to 40 year old white <laughs> you know german descent crowd i mean you know what i mean like the, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. like i'm not i'm not writing for the film school crowd i'm not writing for the action film crowd i'm writing a story that comes into my mind that matters to me and it's not tied to a place necessarily okay so i think it's interesting that that you, i mean so you you're very invested in representing your home country and and taking the stories from that area bring them to a wider audience yeah and and really, um, advertising is not the right word, but like, but supporting. It's, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, developing. It's it's sharing. It's developing because, like I said before, um, there are stories. There there are human stories, and for as long as you're human, you can make some sort of connection. Okay, you know, we've all you know, despite your culture, your descent, whatever, there are stories that you can connect to on the human level. And I, I feel like if if there's a <clears throat> a powerhouse like Hollywood and all these 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 big name studios that are thinking about diversity and thinking about tapping into different markets and stuff like that through their stories, then they should be looking out as opposed to looking within. You know what I mean? For the for the for the countries, the territories that bring uh, a story that everyone can connect to on the human level so the stories that i've grown up um you know hearing and and experiencing and sharing i want to i want to bring that to the table because that needs to be done despite of you know if i'm living there if i'm not living there whatever more of that needs to happen or film or film uh, our filmography as a country needs to grow so there's that. Then there's the fact of, of bringing attention to the talent that exists in that territory, in this country, right? So it's not um, where Hollywood or any, any one of these other places are going to be like, okay, so we're just going to be looking to uh, Iceland or England or any China. of these. Right to any one of these other allies or whatever to glean talent from. There are new pockets of talent that you've not discovered as yet. So I, I wanna bring that con- I wanna bring that up as a buzzword. You know, it catches the ear of the right company or a couple of companies, the right CEO or the right producer, the right executive producer, the right, you know, T V pilot producer, whatever, you know, to be like, oh well, yeah. Let's pay attention to this. This, the, you know, this this group now. There, there are probably some fresh things that we haven't considered, and it it's been under our noses all this time. You know, so I so I'm sort of working towards that nexus, that bridge that sort of breaks through because there are a lot of people like myself that have migrated 
and have totally integrated themselves in you know Western society, um, you know U.S. film sets and stuff like that, doing phenomenal things. You know, it was just a matter of time, resource. Mm-hmm. That's really all it was, and so now it's it's a case where this is this is me giving back as I take. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I, I I have the opportunity of 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 getting certain benefits from the U.S. society and everything else that's entitled to me as an American, but because of my culture, you know, here the thing through this benefit, here's what I'm giving back. I also feel like there is a certain level of typecasting that comes along with a Caribbean mm. no nation. Doubt. All we he- all we see are commercials for Sandals Resorts you know, visit Jamaica, you know, all, all we hear about is like, is Bob Marley's greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, how many people are looking beyond the tourist traps? Yeah. How many people are looking at films that aren't what I was talking about earlier, the swooping shots of Sandy beaches. Yeah. And I think that the, the fact that there's this tourism element attached to it, people think, Oh, well, you know, there's nothing there because mm-hmm. all we have are beaches and, and mm-hmm. Mai Tais and, you know, little umbrellas <laughs> in our drinks. And, and I feel like that, it's too bad. And so, I mean, just the fact that you're doing the work you're doing right now and are committed to kind of bridging that gap is already huge. I never would have heard of Yafet Jackman if he hadn't gone to OU. Okay. You know, like mm-hmm. if you had just kept doing commercials and editing right. in that, yeah. if you hadn't gotten out, if you weren't some kind of emissary. So that seems like that's the direction. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I'm dead serious because okay. you're going in that direction. Right. It, what you're telling me right now is that you want to be that emissary for caribbean filmmakers for south american filmmakers who don't get any kind of recognition because they're doing like your old company they're doing what they've been doing for 40 years yeah. why should we change things yeah. why should we go live why should we do why should we have any fresh talent mm-hmm. and the beautiful thing about that is is that when you get stuck in that bubble in the hollywood bubble in the new york bubble in the american culture bubble it becomes incestuous and self-referential yeah and what you're doing is going no 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 no. let's break that up a little bit. let's let's grab this yeah because no one's looking at that except the people in that area mm-hmm. you're missing out on a huge wealth of resources and creative talent going on here yeah that has way more to do with the arts than you know i don't know pick something I w- whatever culturally <laughs> they have going on i mean i remember it was really funny i was uh, one of my friends is a cinematographer uh, he was a DP on this really good documentary called Fight Mom. Did I tell oh, you about this? I don't. I I cannot recall. There's a UFC fighter named Michelle Waterson. She's the karate hottie, <laughs> and she's she's from her family's from Thailand. Okay, and she just won a fight. Okay, when we when we were going out for drinks, and I was like, right. "Hey, I'll be yeah, with you yeah, in a minute. Right. I got to go watch the fight, a fight." Right? This is the fight. So that this was is the fight. fight you're talking about, right? Okay. So it was Michelle Waterson versus Paige Van Zant, and Paige Van Zant's like you know good old blonde, you know just adorable mm-hmm. cutie who will smash your face in it's really funny watch it's fun watching yeah. women's mma i love it <laughs> but he for i think it was like a two-year period he actually was the dp for this documentary where he was following this woman around as she was training as she went to her home country to practice muay thai and he how was i i completely lost my train of thought <laughs> that's what happens um so I, I remembered what, what I was going to talk about. Right. Okay. So it. my friend Kyle, who is a DP, um, is also a surfer. And he grew up um, splitting time between South Jersey and Long Beach Island on the Jersey coast surfing. 
And I remember one time he was filming a 16 millimeter color surfing film and he shot the entire thing out of pocket just because he loved surfing. And we're driving back from the beach one time and he's like, you ever listen to Damien Marley? <laughs> and I, I mean, my mom liked Ziggy Marley. I grew up listening to Bob Marley. I mean, it was always one of those like, hey, we're having a party on the patio. We're drinking sangria. Put on Bob Marley. It's nice. <laughs> totally cool. Totally harmless. I had no idea how much you know deeper the Marley thing goes. Right. So he puts on Welcome to Jamrock. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and it was... You've heard that album, right? Uh, okay, so the I'm wearing first his father's shirt. Right, okay. I'm just <laughs> I'm not going to assume anything. <laughs> Good. Yeah, okay. Okay. I that song Confrontation comes on. And I got chills the first time I listened to it. Mm-hmm. Cuz they're talking about political oppression. You get to Welcome to Jamrock, they're talking about murder, they're talking about all these dark things going on in Jamaica that isn't just about Rastafarians smoking weed and having a good time. Mm-hmm. And that completely one car ride blue listening mind. to Damian Marley radically shifted my perspective out of the blue. And it, it wasn't because I was, I mean, technically, yes, I was ignorant, mm. not um, intentionally, just like, no, I mean, reggae music is, hey, Jamaica, it's a cool place. They smoke weed, whatever. I had no idea that there was that darker side of it that people didn't want to talk about. Okay. So when, I mean, when you're talking about, so back to the tourism thing. Right. If you do your job, yeah. <laughs> if you make good films, uh-huh. you're going to be in a position to show a different side of God, not necessarily a dark side, but a side that people wouldn't normally look at. Right. You're going to, you're going to get a more, a more broad nuanced perspective of a culture and a people and a country mm-hmm. and an environment that isn't based on people vacationing. And that's a problem that I had. I went to uh, when I went to Egypt. I got to do a study abroad into Egypt, and this is before um, you know every the whole uh, Arab Spring happened. Okay. So you get there, and they had we're on a tour bus. We have a tour guide. We have an armed bodyguard who's chain smoking Cleopatra cigarettes, oh, which my are essentially like Marlboro Lights. Yeah, but. The package says Cleopatra, and they're yeah. probably made by Philip Morris in the <laughs> states and then exported to Egypt, and then like changed the name and everything right, exactly, else. just for for branding purposes. So we had an armed guard, he had a, had a sidearm, had a pistol, okay, and he had he had a, had to be carrying a carton of cigarettes in his jacket, like it was unbelievable. <laughs> he was just smoking the whole time. We had a squad car in front of the bus, hmm. squad car behind the bus, and every tourist location we went to, we were escorted by this guard. I'm sitting there on the bus um, with my buddy Taylor. Mm-hmm. And ta- shout out to Taylor Hughes if you're listening. Probably not, but it's all good. <laughs> um, and we would see, because we would go on these routes that would be like on major highways. So you're around, like you see you know, the public and everything's nice and pretty and reasonably clean. Yeah. But then you'd look down and you'd see like get glimpses of an alley where there'd be this huge trash heap. And you'd see people picking through the trash. And you'd see people that were like malnourished and dirty in the alleys, but they were guiding you away from that. They wanted you to see the beautiful sandstone monuments from yeah. 5,000 years ago. They wanted you to see all the beautiful things. You want to see the Nile. We get on a boat and they're showing us, oh, we got a belly dancer and you're eating all this great food and you're having a good time and you're smoking hookah and you can you know, have a glass of wine and oh, isn't Egypt great? But after the second day, mm. I couldn't stop 
looking at the little gaps in between the tourist traps. And it really made it difficult for me to appreciate the experience because I knew that my vision was being directed to what they wanted us to believe Correct. Egypt was. Yeah. And yeah, I had to write this big essay after we got back and it was really, it was really disappointing that so many people just go like, oh, look, it's the Sphinx. Oh, look, it's the pyramids. And I'm sitting there going like, the people around you, they're giving you the camel ride. Their entire livelihood is based off of your ignorance. And that, that really killed me. Yeah, That completely killed me. And so I wasn't able to, I mean, in retrospect, like I'm glad I went. Um, it was really cool to be there. There's a great picture of me with my arms crossed, you know. <clears throat> in front of the Sphinx. Yeah, no, no, in front of the pyramids, actually. It's like, yeah, I, I built those. It's what it looks like, you know, Robert, when he had a full head of hair. Yeah. And, uh, and it was great, but I, I feel like there's, there are probably people in Egypt whose stories are not being told because it doesn't fit the image of Egypt, ancient Egypt, that people have. Right. And I feel like for something like Guyana or for the Caribbean, there's a lot of stories and a lot of things going on that don't fit the image of the tourist destination where everyone's having a good time and yeah. we have a nice resort. And that's important. Well, truthfully, um, you know, we're not we're not very big on the the tourism scene. You know, it's 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 bit by bit, piece by piece, people are beginning to um, realize that hey, Guyana exists. And it's more about, um, so there was an episode of Lost and Alone, if you've ever heard of that show before. No, I've heard of Lost. Okay, well, <laughs> um, you know, Alone and Naked or something like that in, in you know, it's a TV show. Is it, is it a survival show where you're naked and you're in the woods? Yeah, and, and you're, you're right. And they shot, and they shot um, uh, an episode or two, if I'm not mistaken, in, you know, in our rainforest, in our Amazon. You know, they, they sold it as though... and. Even to say Amazon in 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 Guyana is sort of like what are you talking about? Because Brazil, it's sort of like that word is attached to Brazil, you know, or Peru. Yeah, right. you know the Amazonia and all that good stuff. But it's it's our Rupununi, it's our savannas, it's our it's our rainforests, it's our our jungle, you know, um, where our indigenous people, some of them still live there. In, in these areas and stuff like that. So it's going it's going to these places and, and that's that's one of the big problems that I have with with um, you know these crews that go down, they go to Guyana, they shoot there and they exploit you know the, the, the natives, you know they shoot them because they're exotic looking and all these good things and they just take 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 take. There's nothing that's left. I mean, for for crew, there's several crews that just whizzed through Guyana and the Deep South or Rupununi, and you know what what is there? You know, they've left nothing. Um, have they used any of our people that that are that are skilled enough, qualified enough? To, you mean to have, have they employed sets? your people? That too. Well, I mean, they're going to employ them to like transport them to where they need to be i feel like that's the biggest thing they're going to employ them to house them they're going to employ them to feed them but for what you're doing in the country if you're you're, you're bbc crew network television crew all this good stuff and and we have not found a way and this is now the guyanese people we've not found a way to sort of really capitalize on these opportunities that have come and gone there are more to come, but I, I hope that with with 
you know, some of the work that I'm doing, some of the people that I'm talking to, some of the, the collaborations, some of the ideas, the proposals of capitalizing, like fully capitalizing on these opportunities where we can be known for more than Jonestown or, you know, uh, drug cartels or, you know, rainforests and deadly plants and, and all these things. Do you have ayahuasca? In Guyana? I don't know. I don't know that there's ayahuasca, but I'm sure there are several versions of such a drink. I um, see. There was one that I had. Oh, really? <laughs> Just recently. Kari, they call it. Um, a very strong drink, mind you. It's not a psychedelic. Mm. Okay. Um, at least that's what I've not been told. I've not been told that it's a psychedelic. But it might, I, al- it might alter your perceptions it, it, in certain it, ways? It probably could. That I don't know, but you know, I'm I'm all about culture. I love experiencing different things in oh, yeah. culture. Absolutely. So, yeah. so why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm on the same page. Yeah, in this PG-13, um, in this PG-13 broadcast. broadcast, yeah, yeah. But there's there's, yeah. So that's gonna change. So it's it's working towards that, um, expanding the knowledge, expanding the the awareness of the country, its profile, its its potential, its its talent, um, you know, and ways that it would be a, a, a mutually beneficial relationship where it's not just, you know, a company is going to come or a TV station is going to come or a network is going to come and just take, 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 take. You know, it's where they're, they're probably going to invest or they're probably going to train or they're probably going to edify, you know, something. And, you know, we can use that footage for our tourism efforts or, or you know, where we can bid for for bigger companies and bigger networks, bigger studios to come down there and like have like a more uh, a longer span of things, you know, stuff like that. Are, are you gonna move back to Guyana? Initially, no. Um, Do the, you have a long term plan? I, I know that your your wife is in in school right now, right? Um, gonna... So the the idea is to glean a whole lot more than I can make some more connections um, like really build out the career build out the the uh, the rapport build out the profile um, where it'll be a whole lot easier for me to to work with to, to go back to Ghana and work with folk to, to build to invest there um, my last summer there, you know, I, I was sort of bent on that, I, hell bent on trying to train, trying to teach, trying to impart everything that I've that I've learned thus far, like really demystify um, the whole film thing. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, they are there, there, there are folk there that some of them are, are like 10 times, 20 times, 50 times more talented than I but they're not given the opportunity like I've been able to get. They know, haven't so stepped outside that yeah, zone. You know, um, they're, they're doing their thing. They've really established themselves in Guyana. And, um, you know, there's more. Like, they can, they can break that. They can break through. I'm not saying that they have to leave. You know, I'm saying that, you know, really invest a little bit more in yourself. And... and I was always the guy that was like, you know, if you're already working, you know, keep working, get your skills up, like get your projects, get your money, get whatever. 
but it really does make sense to sort of uh, give yourself that sort of academic educational basis you know, to formalize what what you're working with all this time. It opened my my mind when you know when I started doing my undergrad program and there were things that I was already practicing but had no clue that there was theory attached to that. You know? Isn't that cool? It's very when cool. When you realize it yeah. like, oh wait, I've been doing this naturally because it makes sense to me, but oh wait, someone has actually written yeah. some kind of thesis or paper right. about the structure I'm you know, applying. There, there's a principle that goes with exactly. this. An academic well, principle that and goes with it. The coolest thing that I've experienced since being here mm-hmm. is, and even Steve Ross mentioned this, is the demystification of the magic of movies. Yes. I mean, when you learn editing, when you learn the whole swish pan thing. Oh, yeah. For some reason, that's one element that I never put together that the swish pan can cover an action and have a cut be more direct. And you Mm -hmm. can look like, you know, Clint Eastwood is throwing a machete into someone's chest if you put a swish pan in between and cuts it. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. It's like, and it was funny. (laughs) when, When we were on set before break, I remember I was talking to Matt Love and I said, I said, you guys are like lighting wizards, <laughs> but that's the only way I could describe it because yeah. it truly was. I'm like, wow. Like, how did you achieve that effect? Mm-hmm. Wow. How, how are you making it? So the only her face is lit and not the space behind, you know, yeah, right to her, her right. right yeah. How did you flag that? How did you get the brightness here? How did you bounce this off this? And you got all these different lights. You have all these different flags. You have, you know, what was it like the crew was probably what they're like Eight of us, yeah, running I, I, around. Yeah, some their boat. And if you get take a set picture, you're like, wow, that's a cluttered set. But the actual footage is going to be like, oh, there's people having dinner. Yeah, amazing to be there in person to yeah. see that and to see the kind of work it takes. And I was talking to my friend Robin, very close friend of mine, and uh, she actually asked me, "Are you worried that you won't be able to enjoy movies <laughs> if you know how they're made? If you know all the tricks of the trade?" Yeah, and I thought about it, and I was worried about it initially. And I'll tell you what, it's been hard to watch movies with I've, a non-critical I was, I was, I was just going to say, I'll, I'm going to give you up to like February, and that's it. Oh, it's already over with. Yeah. So here's, yeah. Well, here's the cool thing, though, because it does make it difficult to watch subpar films. Right. You can see all the gears. Oh, you can yeah. see everything oh, cracking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But when a film really nails it, I think you appreciate it that much more. A whole lot. More. It's like it's like if you it's like if you're if you're drinking wine, right? Okay, <laughs> wine is wine, eh, whatever. Yeah, when you start yeah. studying it, then you have no taste for the cheap stuff, right? But suddenly, like that really expensive bottle that your average guy's gonna be like, yeah, it tastes like grape juice, yeah. whatever. Suddenly, that's gonna be like, my God, it's wow, the holy yeah, grail of exactly. Wine. So I went back and watched Apocalypse Now <laughs> over break. No, seriously. Okay. And have you ever seen it? Yes. I've, I have. No, I'd, I'd seen it four times before film school. Mm-hmm. Then after one semester, I watched it again, and it's still great. It I opened, still right. got sucked in. It, yeah, it opened up. I was aware there. more of the sound design right. this time, and I was aware a little bit more of the editing and the use of like the dissolve right. effect. But, my God, yeah. that's a phenomenal film. It, is. it stands up even though I know how, well, not, I don't know how they did all of it, right. but I now that I you can have see an, the gears. You have more of an idea of how that was created. I mean, I liked it just for the story and the characters before, but now it's like the lighting, mm-hmm. the camera angles, yep. 
the, the, it's the, a beautiful, the pacing. It's just a beautiful, it's just a beautiful <sighs> film. Like I've seen the same thing for uh, Citizen Kane. I saw that before. I need to watch that again. Then I looked at it after my first semester. And I'm like, this makes sense. This is why and everyone's this, talking this, about this. Exactly. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly why everyone is geeking out over Citizen Kane. And why people will still continue to geek out over Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. I didn't get it for a while. Me neither. I get it now. Right. You know, but thank <laughs> God for film school. And, and that's, what, that's yeah. my thing, you know. Um, so, again, going back to how we consume films and look at, look at media and stuff like that in the Caribbean, where you look at, okay, so we're looking to the U.S. and the Western society and cons and all these other great, um, you know, festivals and stuff like that, these movies that are getting these phenomenal awards and, and everything else. And we're like, why? <laughs> why? Why? Like, why did this film get that? Jude Law is not that good. <laughs> You know, these actors and, and all these things. Like, before, I sat there thinking to myself, before, this is way before the whole film film school thing, and I'm like, there has to be a reason that these people are picking these, what looks to me like a very dry, you know, mundane, unthought of, plain story, image, whatever. It looks to me that Boring. way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like so boring and there's there, what is this reason what makes that stand out from what i can probably do for myself or what my colleagues are doing you know in the community like my my actors and 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 my my camera people in you know back in the country what makes it so different i remember us um there was there was this one uh film festival well, it was more of a screening, um, and uh, 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 he, he, yeah, he came back to Ghana, um, Shervington, Shervington Haynes came back to Ghana at some point and showed, showed us some films, short films. I feel like this was the first time I've ever interacted with short films. Like, I've always looked at feature films. I've never heard of the concept of short films, never cared about short films or anything like that, but short films is my thing now. And showed us a couple of shorts, and you know, no dialogues, you know, strictly poetic, all visual, and there's this narr- this hidden narrative behind there. Well, at that time, I didn't know that. Are they films that he made? No, he was showing you. Okay, yes, okay, he was okay. showing us okay. other work. Uh, you know, some European work, some uh, American work, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And at the end of each one of these screenings, like each one of these films. People are like, what? <laughs> because and and that's strictly because of our culture. We're we're so story. The Caribbean is so. What, what story, kind of films right? do the Caribbean people it's like to story, watch? It's story oriented. The clear, tra- it's traditional. It's traditional. So generally traditional stories. Beginning, middle, end. Like Disney movies. I mean, are they big down there? Disney movies are big. Action movies are even bigger. Okay, give me an example of a movie that does incredibly well in the Caribbean that we would not expect to do well in the United States. That's a hard question because everything that is like popped out of the United States drops into the Caribbean 
television so are shows. all the Marvel movies doing really well down yeah, there? Yeah, you know, the U.S. sneezes, you know, the Caribbean catches a cold. That's sort of how it goes. Okay. Um, so, yeah, um, I mean, for all of the people that would probably shit on the Marvel, some of the Marvel, Marvel movies bec- for what they are, like um, I've heard people had very bad reviews towards uh, Zack Schneider. Zack Snyder, yeah. Zack, poor Zack. I really love Zack. Like, okay. There was a point in time that I really loved Zack. And then all of a sudden he just like fell off the cliff for me. Watchmen was a great film. I felt like Watchmen was a good film. <laughs> You're talking to a comic book okay, geek here. Okay, all right. Well, you know. Watchmen was a solid go. film. Okay. Solid film. <laughs> Is this sarcasm? I, Weak I'm not adaptation sure. of the source material, okay. but a solid film. Okay, all right. However, I've watched 300 countless times. <laughs> I'm a, I am a, I, I am a it. Sparta. Yes, I am that. I am King Leonidas. Like okay. I am King Leonidas. Okay. All right. So yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but that's where. But then you, you look at 300, and as an artist, people are going to be like, so that entire thing was just fake. It was on a sound stage. It was all green screen. But for me, on an aesthetic level, yeah, sure, yeah, I can agree know, with that. Um, you know, so an artist is going to be like, ugh. But in the Caribbean, it's like, yeah, action. Okay, so we're talking about what kind of story resonates. It's, it's a story. Now. A, a, a closed book story. Like the a story of story. 300 is mm. the selfless sacrifice of strong, manly men in the face of overwhelming odds, yeah. and they will not back down. Who Don't, doesn't like seeing that story? No, no, no. Don't forget that it was even more or less glamorized by the fantastic fight scenes. And, oh, yeah. Well, and absolutely. the 360 camera And the chiseled six-pack uh, yes, abs and, that none of the, us will and, ever and have. And the sprayed-painted <laughs> six-pack abs that would, that none of us would probably never carefully have. carefully oiled physiques yes, of the you know, of the all that and, stuff. And, you know, all that stuff comes in the, it comes in the package. So right. you, you, you look at that and you're, you're more... You're more into that than the story. Like, who gives a shit about the story? Okay, but well, here's here's an interesting thing, though. How do you bridge that gap with the Caribbean audience? If you want to give them some more poetic storytelling, do you have to have the hook of an action movie that has a simple no, sort of narrative? You know, so thankfully we're evolving. There are, f- you know, there are a few. So the last director that I worked with, which I feel is one of the best directors in Ghana right now, Kojo McPherson. Um, where he has, I mean, this guy studies. Was that on Adero? Yes. Okay. Yeah, uh, talk about Adero for our audience real quick. Oh, cool. So um, Adero, uh, uh, this magical, mystical story of self-realization. Um, I, I had the privilege of, of DPing that. And this is the story of a young Amerindian, um, Amerindian guy that's mixed. So we say mixed. So he's mixed with. Can you, can you explain Amerindian to me? I don't so know what that means. It, okay, so your native Amer- your native Indians here can be categorized or compared to or Amerindians. So indigenous. Indigenous. So indigenous indigenous people. Okay. Right. So it. so so he is mixed with that as as his root, um, but has sort of lost his way because he was he was plucked from. Um, the Rupununi, the Deep South, where most of our indigenous people live, you know? 
he comes to tone as we as we as we say he comes to tone and is he just becomes a corporate drone so he feels like there's more to life than just sitting behind a desk you know shoveling the regular paperwork for sales and marketing and all that good just stuff. like young yafet jackman <laughs> good one robert good one and so he is now he's getting these dreams of you know his past and he's trying to make connections so it's it's sort of like it, i i, w- I want to say a shamanic journey is not a shamanic journey but it is it is a it is a, a this introspective journey um of hey you know let me find out who i am and where i'm from so we went and we shot in the deep south you know the rupununi um you know in the shia village of 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 um, well, way past Lethem, but Shia, Shea is the name of the village down there. The Upper Takatu Esukaba River. It's beautiful. Like some of the footage that I have not released or anything, they're still editing and all that good stuff. Um, there are some bits and pieces that I would throw in my reel, of course, with mm-hmm. permission. And, um, you know, it was my first time there in that area of the country. Uh, I was so like, boxed in by Georgetown. Everything's happening on the coast. That's the place that you need to be. No. The place that you need to experience is the South. Like the Rupununi savannas of our country. The the you know, region nine, region seven, region eight. These these regions that are, you know, mountainous and like so wide span and, and life there is simple but beautiful and, and these kinds of things. So um there's that there so he's he's creating these stories that everyone can connect to so the indigenous can connect to because we're there the 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 urban people can connect to it because it's sort of a story of a guy that's trying to find himself you know because he feel like he's been lost by you know just doing stuff in in cooperate life um everyone else business sector you know housewives whatever everyone can connect to that and he's crafted the story in such a way that it would be accepted in U.S. media, because because it it you know U.S. media is now looking for or trying to look for these exotic human stories where we can see these new locations and you know hear these 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 new languages and you know understand another culture or subculture and that kind of thing and see and see the the interaction between you know, a rural and an urban um, native, which has essence from both sides of the coin, that kind of thing. So, yeah, um, you know, great guy. And it's just a matter of opportunity. Like, if he were to do this program, if he were to get the opportunity to, like, sign up for this program, like... You You mean the OU program? Yes, the OU <laughs> MFA. The program. OU SOF program. SOF program. It's badass. So, you know, he, I mean, he has already himself taught himself all of these things. Like, he, you know, he, he wrote before um, theatrically, you know, you know, playwright, poet, uh, performance poet, poet. Um, then he got into photography. Then he was doing stuff for film. He made several shorts already, and the guy has not gone to film school, to, to the best of my knowledge, but is a 
a very good film director, I dare say, the best in the country, you know? So imagine imagine what else he can create with such an opportunity, you know? He has found a way to tell these stories, to glamorize them, to make it work, and to make it, um, you know, connectable, if there's such a word, to to relatable di- relatable thank you um you know to diaspora the locals and new people that are looking for new stories so it's stuff like that that um we need to get more of that's that's practically what i'm looking for more kojos more uh more folk like there's this other guy that that i I'm, I'm really a fan of rule johnson you know great writer and all that but you know our film folk are sort of it's sort of lacking they're there they're there they're doing their thing you know bonnie alves that guy has been creating short stories and animations and all that good stuff for years and where's it gone you know how is it developed um so yeah it's really building that industry out. You have a long uphill road ahead of you. <laughs> Clearly. Yafet. And you're in a great position though to do it. Mm. Which is I think is great. I mean, just it's I mean, just w- watching your Solomon Dasco film. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's it seems like a lot of it is just you got the technical know-how. Mm-hmm. It's reaching the audience mm-hmm. and finding new audiences. I, I mean, it doesn't seem that complicated. So, I mean, I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, everything I've seen you do so far has been really cool to watch. It's been really great to work with Thank you. you. It's 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 just fascinating that I mean, you had so much experience before you even got to this film program. True, and it's not the same for everyone who gets to this film program. No. I mean, I, I had a little bit of film experience. I was a PA on a couple of different things. Mm. But, I mean, as far as real professional, you know, gritty, get-your-hands-dirty kind of work, I don't have a whole lot of that. Okay. And, and that's what's been really fun for me is actually getting, getting to in do there. that right now. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I had no idea that there was an exchange program or, or a relationship between. Well, that with, was then. I, you know, that was a three-year Is it still going on? Uh, we tried to remodel that. I know that there's a, a um, so to expand it from it, it started with the Center of Communication Studies at the University of Ghana, and now I feel like it has extended or would have liked to have extended to um, the the information technology sector of UG, um, and to to sort architecture, you know, IT. And something else. That was sort of the plan to really marry those schools again and to keep the keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about your work with Betsy Brandt and Annie Howe? Betsy Brandt and for our Annie listeners. Howell. Okay, this is this is really cool. Okay, <laughs> um, there was a feature film that was produced and filmed in the Athens, Ohio area using Ohio University students mm-hmm. and um, an Ohio University faculty member, yeah. Annie Howell, who was a professor of what's, was, what was she teaching? Screenwriting. Screenwriting. Screenwriting, um, filmmaking one, mm-hmm. 
and she was a uh, co like co student well co professor with Steve with that but yeah everything writing it was her and she decided to do a feature film another one and she was like you know what Yafet you are the perfect guy <laughs> I to wish, have on my set. I wish that I can't were a imagine a better person to just be there. I mean, whatever you can do, just be, just, there. just be there. I mean, we'll give you some kind of credit, but really, without you, this production wouldn't happen. <laughs> I wish. So tell tell me a little I bit wish. about that, because I mean, I, I, I got to would. see the film. I, I got to see the Athens premiere. Awesome. Um, it looks amazing. I can't say that I was. I was. It's a movie I would watch over and over again. Mm-hmm. There aren't any fist fights or, or <laughs> sandal-wearing sandal Spartan warriors in it. But what was really cool was seeing familiar locations. Okay. Getting to see things around Athens. Okay. Getting to see Kramer. Getting to see you. <laughs> getting to see Meredith. Getting to see people, you know, knowing that there were, you know, Ohio University students involved in the production and so tell me a little bit about what that was like and like how you got involved with the production. I know you did a little bit of sound recording yes. from what I can get. After, yeah. And after. this is going to be on Netflix very soon. It just had a couple premieres. Yep. I mean, it's picking up steam. Betsy Brandt was in Breaking Bad. Yep. And uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about that. So um, that production, uh, a phenomenal uh, piece of art from Annie Hall and, and Lisa Robertson. Um the dynamic duo that has found a way to, um, you know, really tell tell very meaningful stories through the the indie film medium, and you know, so like the perfect introduction of, of what you were saying. I I wish that Annie was like, yeah, Fetch, you know, this film could not have been made. You know, without you on set, I wish that without were the your luminous personality and stellar <laughs> performance and uh, but skills. But it it was it was a case where they're like, we need crew, and I'm like, well, I'm a, I'm gonna jump on there because this is an awesome. This is going to be an awesome experience and invaluable, really, to to work alongside an award winning director of photography. Which is the coolest cat I you know, one of I mean, I've worked with some folk before, but this guy, he is special. Like what's his name? Andreas Andreas Burgess. I don't know if I pronounce his last name correctly all the time, but Andreas, known as you know affectionately known as Dre. <laughs> Dre. <laughs> nice. Right. Um, you know. And to, to work with him, to work, well, directly under him, but overall with, with Annie and, and Lisa, I mean, I've had the, the privilege of, of being Annie's student before. So to, to see her change from professor to uh, professional, director professional, was, that was special in itself. You know, the, all of the conversations of, you know, she embodied what she taught in class, you know, of uh, feeling characters out, um, you know, how to direct them, you know, using the right language, um, even even in your writing process, you know, the same patience and the same um, detail that you that you'd invest in in writing your characters and all that when they're in front of, you know, 
in in this vessel of an actor you sort of want to treat them the same way so working with that and mind you this is my first u.s international like like u.s feature film set that i'm working on Mm -hmm. um and it's indie it's independent so it's not the corporate stuff but still so the craft services is mostly pizza (laughs) (laughs) you'd think but wasn't truly sushi every day (laughs) i wish um, I've never actually had some. No, da, no. Have da, I, dashi, have dashi, what was it called? <laughs> dasheen. <laughs> we had dasheens every day because they imported that just for me because they knew I was on set. Dasheen kebabs. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, well-treated. Uh, you know, great caterer, Kim. Um, you know, toss it up every every day. But the the work ethic on the set was I felt like just like a professional set. And I'll compare the two because I had the opportunity of working on a union set. Um, So listening to the way that she treated her actor, like Betsy Brandt, of course, no, this is stardom. You know, I mean, I've watched this woman on my television screen as, you know, the wife of Hank in Breaking Bad. Now she's in front of me. Mm-hmm. You know, and they were very. They were was very there a transition hard. period where you're like, I can't handle this woman right now. <laughs> what I'm gonna do to actually make I'm this work? I'm gonna geek out. I'm gonna geek. No. Like, did you do the jazz hands? Like, I'm freaking <laughs> I'm out. Freaking My God, out. I'm, freaking, I'm out. freaking out. But you know, it was the beauty of 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 seeing how real these people. I feel like we forget that they're people. Yeah. You know, we. I. You know. So I'll talk for myself. I've sort of idolized this woman you know as her character her character in breaking bad is is one to love to hate but hate to love that that kind of thing it's sort of like a hit and miss character awesome character but you know so then i'm 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 projecting this character onto you know her her real real person right and i'm i'm expecting her to be just as i'm like no, that's not fair. Cause I she she talked to me like she spoke. <laughs> Betsy Brandt spoke to me. What? Oh my god! And this glow, so and just like radiated. yeah, you know, it it at first um, I was very, you know, of course this is a, a SAG actor, and they laid out all the rules, the embargo on the photos and all that. Like we were not supposed to be announcing that she's going to be there because she's very. You know, she's is, that, a, is that part of it? Yeah, that you was, can't that tell was, that, anyone that, was, that, that yeah, she's going to be was, there. Yeah, that was sort of a part of it before, um, you know, because she she just wanted to be not be badgered. Like she's there to do her work. Like every oh my god, Betsy Branson town. Right. You know, let's have a party or or something like that. Uh, you know, so she walked around town quite freely. But on set, um, you know, to see her and for the for the few moments that I've actually physically had conversation with her it's where you know you it 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 truly demystified everything for me like sakina jaffrey the same way it's sort of you're seeing these powerhouses of women on on tv in films and now you have the chance to speak to them and you sort of have to wash away the fact of this idolization that you've idolized these people 
and you've given them all this, you, you've really pumped them up. You know what it is, Yafet? You're deifying <laughs> a human being. Correct. That's what it is. Yeah. We can't, we can't help it. We, yeah. do, we just do it. Yes. Everyone does it. So, you know, it's that transition where I realized to myself, hey, this is a person just like me, and I'm talking to them, you know, talking to Betsy in, in particular. And, you know, it's sort of like, Wow. Um, you know, how did you make it? Um, you know, how do you feel? Like, what, what is, what is this experience like? Because here's this little Guyanese boy, you know, from from Ben Street, Wortmanville, talking to Betsy Brandt. <laughs> like, are you? Who sh- am I? Uh, who am I? Right. Who the hell am I? And uh, there are very few people that know that I've actually shared this moment with Betsy. I was telling my wife, Nicole, the other day about this. It was like, no one took a photo of that, and I'm so upset. <laughs> but, you know, um, so we were shooting the scene of uh, when she's walking down the street and the clown car, you know, pulls up next to her. Right, 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 yeah. And, um, you know, there was, it was a break in the shot, so we, we, you know, we cut. And I was helping my buddy out, Matt Herberts, you know, big up to my to my Shout buddy. Shout out to Matt Herbert. Shout out to Matt Herbert, Steadicam operator esque. <laughs> um, and you know, she needed to run back to headquarters where we're you know holding and all that. So I'm running towards Matt with something to get him, and she's running towards holding. And in that moment, she's like, "Yeah, fat," and I'm like. Betsy and we 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 hold one another and we like we do a spin in the middle of the street and then we run our separate ways. It, I I think back about that moment and I'm like, no one got that. I'm imagining that being like this slow motion shot, exactly. Where it's like where it's a, in a full, rain almost, a full like, 360 and everyone's hair is sort of swaying in the breeze. But here's the beautiful thing, Yafet. Yeah. Because no one captured that on film, you have that as an experience of a memory. True. That no one else gets to experience. True. You're right. And your memory of that is going to be way better than a terrible YouTube video shot <laughs> on an iPhone. <laughs> I mean, think about it. Really? True. Somebody True. got a shake app. You're like, oh my God, <laughs> oh my God, God. it's selfie. <laughs> I mean, you, you hit the jackpot there. All right. So, but yeah. That's great. You know, for, for and the. And she was good to work with. I mean, she oh, was chill. Awesome awesome woman you know you'd expect i feel like we 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 sort of project this this expectation of you know here's here's a a working professional that's being snatched up every which way to you know work on big screen work on television work with these networks work with cooperations the most humble woman you know you can talk to her about anything well the operative word there is work yeah you're working yeah i mean just being being on set with you the other week it's it's work. Mm-hmm. You know, the actors and actresses, I mean, it is not easy. It looks easy. If they're good at it, it, yeah. it looks easy right. with the finished product. Right. But, I mean, especially with Claire. I mean, Claire's going through this super emotional scene yeah. over and over again. Correct. I mean, that's no joke. And so for, for Betsy to come to you know Athens and do this, she's working. Yeah. She's working. Yeah. And if you treat her like a professional, right. which she is, yeah. so that's great. So you had a good experience. An awesome experience, invaluable experience with um, Betsy and and Sakina. I mean, I'm talking to them. Well, 
referring to them like first name basis like oh my god how dare i you know it's stuff like that where right. well they didn't you know, call was, you mr jackman no <laughs> exactly you know it's like wow that that would have been a feather in my cap right there if i was called mr jackman but you know um so it's it's so i i keep thinking about that like here's this 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 little boy that you know came from from, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to sell it like you know I come from poverty and we came know, from the bottom now we're at the top but started from the bottom now we're here is sort of like my mantra <laughs> shout out to Drake on that one <laughs> you know what I'm sick of hearing Drake but I understand <laughs> right, what you're saying all right, all right. No. but there's that so eye-opening experience so working with Andreas um Again, like I've learned so much as an aspiring cinematographer, as a working cinematographer. Um, here's this guy that has won several awards and stuff like that. Very well known for his work um, in TV and stuff like that. I got to work with him. And that's where I saw how indie works and then how corporate, like professional studio production house works. Because I was able to work with him on a crime to remember that tv show that he's the one of the cinematographers of okay on criminal id tv and the lessons that you learn from a guy that just loves to shoot and has honed his skill to such a degree that he can work so fast with so little to create the most phenomenal images that because you've seen the film it's and you're beautiful. like it's just remarkable it looks and, like a big budget production and it's it's so <laughs> minimal isn't it wasn't that isn't the actual um uh, category like micro budget it's is how they call my, it yeah, they call it micro right, budget it's a micro budget film it doesn't look like a micro budget film but i feel like you know they've it's it's the amount of love and the amount of excuse me, professionals um, that cared about the project because it's, and, and, and that's the beauty of watching Annie and Lisa um, work towards these things. It, they care so much. It's like, it's like giving birth to a child. It literally is for them. And, you know, the caution, the care, I mean, they were writing this film for years the pain, you know, pulling, <laughs> yeah. talking about the pain right. part of it. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that it's like, Plenty. Any film set you're on, it is unbelievably stressful. Check it out. Like it's on uh, Google Play, iTunes, uh, you know, Amazon Video, Video on Demand. It's out there. So check it out. Claire in Motion, great film. Claire in Motion. Claire in Motion. And check the credits for Yafet. <laughs> was there any ADR on that? Yes, there was some ADR that I I was able to do. Well, what does ADR actually stand for? Uh, I wish I knew. Is it is it like it's automatic, auto, automatic dialogue, dialogue replacement? replacement or, or automated dialogue replacement? I think that would be my best guess. So it's when the dialogue doesn't work on. It's set. not. It's not naturally working on set, but we get into a studio and we re-record that. Um, you know, sort of replace it. We just you know digitally replace it. So did you do that at the Peterson Sound Studio? I did that at the Peterson Sound Studio with Zev. Um, we had some work with him, the the young boy that was a part. Shout out to Zev. And his oh, Zev, Zev was the the child. The child. Yes. Okay, okay, got it. Betsy's, got it, got it. Betsy's son. Got it. Okay. <laughs> well, his character, her character, son. the young man, the young man, say, not the child, yes, the not young the man. child, the young man, quite a grown young man, <laughs> precocious even, <laughs> indeed. Yeah, um, but yeah, um, 
was you know I was able to do that and yeah I I, I got credited for that I got credited for you you, know, do you have IMDB credit for that I have an IMDB credit for that nice I am on IMDB <laughs> nice dude quite nice word <laughs> Man, that's it was so it was phenomenal. You've was had phenomenal. an amazing, a really intense three years, or two and a half years in this program thus far. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I, just getting to sit down and talk to you about your your path from live mixing church music uh-huh. to working with to working with Betsy a Hollywood Green. star <laughs> while you're in college. Yeah, is really cool. I, I mean, if if there was, if you had to talk to yourself. 13 years old or a young man in Guyana mm-hmm. or any young filmmaker out there who dreams about doing that kind of thing what would you tell them um, it's be focused be patient with yourself it's really being patient with yourself um, finding finding what makes you tick knowing and fully believing in your skill or your passion and working towards developing that passion that's what you that's what you need to be doing that's where you need to be take the steps to develop that dream and dream big you know i always thought that um access and resources opportunities these things were so hard to come by because of where i was from where I lived because of, you know, the environment in which I resided in. And that is not true. For as long as you put your head down, you work hard, you talk to the right people, you you put yourself in in positions where, you know, your talent is either going to be recognized or improved or, 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 you know, nurtured. That's where you need to be. You know, find it despite of, you know, I, th- I, I'm, I'm grateful to my parents for being so patient with me. There were times where, you know, I, f- I, pro- they probably felt that I was just gone astray. This guy's gone. He's just bananas. Um, you know, but it was all in an effort to really get to where I want to be. Like I knew that I wanted to be working as a working filmmaker. I wanted to make films. I wanted to shoot. I wanted to edit. I wanted to light things you know, from, from 13. And that's everything that I've done to this day was in, you know, service of that in, dream. Uh, correct. It's in yeah. service to that. It's, it's, it's every single step, every single step is in service to that. So the, the segues of, you know, a, a managerial position or a supervisory or event planning, all these things, they're, they're all little bits and pieces of, of the film industry. Yeah. When you when you think about it, poetry, writing, you know, uh, performances, well, even performance. I correct. Mean, you got on stage. Performances. You, you knew what it was like to be in front of people, and it's all that good stuff. And you know, it works. So you think that you're doing things that are probably meaningless. You're seeing things. You're hearing things. You're learning things that you think are meaningless. They are not. These these little things that we think are insignificant come to our aid when we're in the position or in that place of where we really want to be. So in my case, where I thought that going to the University of Guyana at that time, it, you know, it was just in service of getting a degree so that I'm able to get into a film school 
you know, my journey there prepared me for everything that I'm experiencing in film school, everything that I need to know to be, a, a, you know, an, an effective and efficient filmmaker. You know, the, those little life lessons, those little life lessons will come back in service of your improvement and, and the development of your career. So be patient, be vigilant, and, you know, be determined to fight, fight for your shit. <laughs> hustle. <laughs> hustle. Hustle hard. Hustle hard. <laughs> so uh, where can people find you if they want to follow your work? Uh, Instagram right now. Um, so YJPOV. That's my, my little Instagram uh, contribution to the world of my work. Um, I, I'm on Vimeo. Uh, Yaffa Jackman is right the name. I'm Googleable. So Y-A-P-H-E-T-J-A-C-K-M-A-N. Um, I'm Googleable. Just Google me and you'll find me. I did Google you. That's awesome. <laughs> Did that, how did that work out? Did my you? research. I found right. a lot of pictures of, of, of Yafet on oh, set. God. Too much. Too much. No, come on. It's fine. <laughs> you, you, have, you have a solid internet presence. I yeah, found I your have... blog. I found Vimeo. It was great. Yeah, cool. I found your IMDb. Nice. Yeah. It's up there, there isn't it? It's ah, up there. Yeah, it's in I'm it. happy about that. You're happy good. Man, this, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. This has been fantastic, thank Yafet. Thank um, Check out Claire in Motion. Yes. Um, find Yafet on... Uh, are you on Twitter? Yes, uh, my full name again on Twitter. Um, I don't tweet as much. You, you're just going to see more. Yeah, it's of it's my, a dying platform. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, so follow him on Instagram. Forgive this guy. I don't know. No, I'm, I'm just, I'm being real. I'm being real. It is, what, it is what it is. Twitter is obsolete. Yeah, but I, I, I really hope that, that we'll do this again. Yes. Sometime yes, soon. No doubt. And, no doubt. And, Maybe and I can interview you. Yeah. How about that? Let's, do, be, that. let's be, do that next yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, It'll We'll reverse yeah, things. Yeah, It'll be fantastic. Switch, yeah. it up, switch it up Sundays. Like <laughs> yeah. We'll do it again. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, We'll we'll catch you next time. Peace.